Hello fellow homebrewers, JP here, and I want to introduce to you the brand new Brewbuilt X1 Conical Series available at More Beer. More Beer sells the highest standard in homebrewing equipment, and the Brewbuilt Conicals are just that. They're made from mere polished 304 stainless steel, and they come with loads of features that you and I have been looking for. They have a full 2-inch bottom dump valve, which will eliminate your clogging issues, while the sturdy base includes four reinforced legs, just like those big pro tanks do. More Beer also carries the Brewbuilt line of options and add-ons like casters, pressure kits, and even external glycol chillers. So you can find out more about the new Brewbuilt X1 Conical Unitanks by going over to morebeer.com for detailed videos on the entire line of Brewbuilt Conicals. You can trust Brewbuilt with your next fermentation, and you can trust More Beer to find the right conical for you. Brewbuilt at morebeer.com. Today's Sunday session is brought to you thanks to the fine folks at More Beer. Visit them right now at morebeer.com. Feels like work. Shooting the shit for two hours, drinking beer and talking beer. What a wonderful experience. Can we not have the barf bucket near my mixing board? (laughs) (laughs) I think everybody can read the book. I knew you were going to use this book as an excuse to quit doing this show. (laughs) Mrs. Buff, if you want, I can mail you the bub timer. Yeah, Newcastle, especially in the can. Have you ever had it in the can? (laughs) No, I have not had it in the can. (laughs) Notice I closed my eyes and I concentrated really hard. Now, live from the Brewing Network Studios in Northern California, this is the radio program for home brewers. Craft brewers, beer lovers, and beer geeks. It's your only source for live beer radio that brings expert brewers together with, well, expert drinkers. This is the radio program with a head on it. This is The Session. Hey, good afternoon, everybody. Hey, happy 2015, JP. Hey, uh, happy 2015 to you as well, my friend. It's 2015. It's our first show in the the 2015. Are we getting this right, Scott? You did, yeah. 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 (laughs) Welcome back to the uh, Brewing Network. Welcome back to 2015, everybody. Yeah, 2015 is great. It's a great year so far. Took a couple weeks off there, and uh, we're we're starting with a bang. Now, normally, we, we start the year with our Brewing Network Awards. But we've moved them for our guest today. Right. Because we thought it was more important to interview one of our heroes, Mr. Tony McGee from Lagunitas Brewing Companies in the studio today. And if we can can put something off for later, we're going to do it. We're always going to do it, yeah. Right. And and then use Tony as an excuse of why we put off our Brewing (laughs) Network Awards. There's always 2016 to do the Brewing Network Awards. Yeah. (laughs) They might get moved to that. Right. But it'll be a really good show. Oh, yeah. Twice as good as normal. (laughs) Twice as good as normal. Uh, very excited to have Tony McGee in the studio today. We've talked to several of his brewers over time. Uh, of course, Jeremy Marshall, a uh, good friend of ours, has been in yeah. several times. But now we've got the man behind the curtain, if you will. And so Tony's going to be talking to us about his new book, So You Want to Start a Brewery. And for the first time, I've read the book of our guest. Wow. Uh, I didn't intend to. I'm not going to lie. But I started my normal skim process. Yeah. On the toilet. 
But on the toilet. <laughs> Thank you, Tony. And it took a little longer than you expected, it, so you finished the book. It's, it's, so I just you have been blocked up lately. I was sick, and I was there, and so look, Tony's book got finished. I thought, uh, I thought you read uh, The Art of Fermentation, Sander Cass's book. Okay, that's true. I, I have. To, well, I didn't read that whole thing. I did my skin. That was process. a much bigger book, I guess. Yeah, oh, yeah. so this was. You souped the nuts on this one, huh? Yeah. Uh, well, nice. mostly, yes. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh. yeah. Uh, Are but, there cliff notes available? But right, right. <laughs> you don't need them. It's an amazing book. And I'm going to talk about it with Tony uh, right. t- tonight. I, I, I suggest everybody reads it. But in part, and I think that some of you who have, have been here really since the beginning, since we were in our garage, for mm. example, would really relate to this book. Because the story of Lagunitas uh, is fascinating. And, of course, I, it's, it's somewhat of a bigger story than ours. But there are a lot of parallels. <laughs> somewhat. Yeah, you know, some would they're, somewhat. They're, they're yeah. a little larger in than, some the, degrees. Uh, yeah. than the Brewing Network. But there Fair are some, a lot of parallels that I really enjoyed, so I just kept reading it. Wow. And shitting. I mean, I was... Well, yeah, right. oh, yeah. Um, so, uh, so you want to start a brewery, the Lagunitas story from Tony McGee. He's going to be here uh, tonight talking to us about that and uh, drinking beer, of course. So uh, excited to get to that. I want to thank our sponsor of tonight's session and every session. You know, it's, it's 2015. We started this show in 2005, mm-hmm. so 100 years ago or something like that. It, uh, somewhere mm-hmm. the math might be a little bit. More I think it's one exaggerating. Last like, year, <laughs> uh, and and more beer. Our wonderful sponsor uh, right here in Concord has been with us uh, since before day one, and they're still with us today in 2015. I want to thank That's them. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, our wonderful great. sponsor. You can go to morebeer.com and check them out. All of your home brewing supplies. Uh, you know, uh, Lagunitas mm-hmm. started uh, with Tony as a home brewer. He brewed a couple batches of home brew and thought, hey, fuck it, I'll just dominate the world. Right. Um, <laughs> and so we'll learn about that tonight. But More Beer is a great uh, homebrew supply resource. Go to morebeer.com, and, and we thank them for their ongoing support of the BN all the way up to 2015 here. I think they canceled this week. They, they won't be with us next week. <laughs> right. But, uh, um, say 2016, that's it. There's no more. <laughs> yeah. We'll do 10, but not anymore. Right. right. That, that'll be that. Um, all right, so let me get to a couple of announcements, and then we got to dive right into it because we got another interview to do tonight as well. Okay, with some Australians. Oh, good in Antarctica. Oh, great! Sounds like I'm making shit up, but I'm not. <laughs> Antarctica. Whoa! Yeah, we're actually going to interview some Australians at a base in Antarctica who are brewing. We do just a quick segment and uh, figure out what's happening in Antarctica. With Australians. Probably a lot of nothing, I would guess. I'm just right. a, a guess. It's I don't like know. one guess. Maybe. So my first question will be, what's happening yeah. in Antarctica? Look out your window. What do you see? <laughs> Ice. Cool. <laughs> All right. A few announcements. Our sixth annual Winter Brews Festival is happening January 24th right here in Toto Santos Park. That's across the street from the Hop Grenade. Yeah. And tickets are on sale now. You can go to bnbrewfest.com, and you get a little discount for buying early. It's 40 bucks instead of 50 I'm going to charge you 50 at the gate just because you're an asshole about tickets late. Yeah. Yeah. That's the way it goes. Uh, but 40 bucks if you buy them in advance, you're going to save a little cash. Plus, we have VIP tickets available if you want to come into the Hop Grenade for our one-hour tasting mm-hmm. before the event. So Winterfest starts at noon, but from 11 to 12, we're doing a special tasting right here at the Hop Grenade. It's 25 bucks, and it gives you a VIP entrance into the fest, so you don't have to wait in line with all the other schleps. Right. Uh, so those tickets Ooh. are available as well. Go to bnbrewfest.com and check it all out, or get the VIP tickets, I think, over on our uh, Brewing Network Facebook page. Um, so check it out there. Uh, Amazon shopping is a great way to support uh, the BN. Just click the Amazon link right there on our homepage. And a lot of you did it over Christmas for your holiday shopping. We appreciate it. Uh, continue to do so. It's like free money for you. And, yeah. And 
well, frankly, it's kind of free money for us, too. <laughs> uh, and we, we appreciate that. Do we have an Amazon product of the week? Yeah, definitely. Actually, there have been nine copies of uh, So You Want to Start a Brewery uh, bought on the link so far here in January. And Tony has not even appeared on the show yet. So Perfect. Uh, look for there to be more of that uh, in next year, next uh, month's okay. Amazon product of the week. All right. Thanks so far, and keep it up. Yeah, if you want to keep buying the book, just click the Amazon link at our homepage and buy So You Want to Start a Brewery. And then Tony gets paid, and we get paid, and you get a book. There you go. That's, everybody wins. Yeah. Feel like, uh, Warren. I just end up crying again. <laughs> well, what's right. new? Right. Everybody gets paid, but JP and Warren. Right. Yeah. Um, that is your life, isn't it? <laughs> uh, all right. A couple other events happening here at the Hop Grenade. We've got Altamont Brewery out of Livermore. We love those guys. Yeah. Uh, young kids making some good beer, and uh, we have their beer often here at the Hop Grenade. But we're doing a, a pint night of sorts, part of our craft series. They'll be here this Wednesday at the Hop Grenade. So come talk to the brewers. And we've got our cheese and beer school happening on the 20th. You should come out to that, too, because we have some beer and cheese experts from Whole Foods. Oh. Yeah, we partnered with Whole Foods on our cheese school because they have a lot of the best cheese in the Bay Area. And they have this really good program. And so now they're part of our cheese school. So that happening on the uh, that's happening on the twentieth. I'm with you. Yeah, yeah. Thanks, JP. Sound good. That's happening. (laughs) Sound good. Yeah. All right. Subscribe and join the BN Army. You become a donor, and then we love you for it. Also, you're entered in the More Beer Monthly Donation Giveaway. Uh, It's a chance to win 100 bucks. And our December winner was William Cialone. Oh, thanks, William. Terrible Italians. Yeah. Uh, or Chalone, I don't know. Uh, he's get on. like Norwegian or <laughs> yeah, something. Yeah, like, it's Cialani. Yeah. Uh, anyway, get all these updates and more over on Twitter and... Facebook. Thank you. Send your uh, show ideas to Scott the Jew. That's scott at thebrewingnetwork.com. And send feedback to feedback at thebrewingnetwork.com. Do we have a Twitter game today, JP? We do have a Twitter game today. What is it? Oh, it's brought to you by the 21st Amendment, our good friends out in San Francisco. Sully's been with us for a long time, too. That's right, cans. That's correct. Uh, Well, since I'm having so much trouble with the Internet today, uh, my theory, this is a theory I have, that in 10 years, Wi-Fi will be obsolete. It'll be obsolete. What? Yeah, it's going to be non-existent because everyone has too many problems. And by everyone, I mean me. (laughs) So in 10 years, when Wi-Fi is like, you know, as effective as little things on shoelaces, right? Yes. uh, How are we going to get our information? Tell me how Wi-Fi. we're going to get information. Yeah, when there's no Wi-Fi. Okay. What's going to happen? What What is going to uh, supersede Wi-Fi? All right. I don't believe in your premise, but I like the question. Hey, you know what? Uh, I'm sure <laughs> yeah. Tesla didn't yeah. think that he right. would see um, you know success in his in his lifetime, and look what happened. Right. Are we talking about right. uh, Nikola or uh, the guy or Elon invented Musk. or Elon Musk? I th- I'm talking about the band. <laughs> but. <laughs> yeah, right. And right. I would think you're actually that premise. I agree with. They had no idea. No. And and then they wrote signs. Right. Uh, everywhere they covered the, signs. The signs. Right. Oh, that's yeah. right. They yeah. covered yeah. signs. You're right. They didn't even write it. No. Yeah. They arranged it. Ah, uh, thank you, Lord, for thinking about me. <laughs> I'm alive and doing fine. Right. <laughs> Anybody else have a line from signs? Go uh, ahead. No. You Just do, do this. Don't do that. <laughs> I don't know. All right. I don't even know what you're talking about. Uh, is Antarctica man uh, with us yet? Nope. No. All right. Yeah, Why don't we do raping him? <laughs> Why don't we do feedback then? Shall we? Let's do it. Feedback's brought to you today by Beer Law Center, our good friend John, over at yeah. BeerLawCenter.com. You can check him out. He predicts... Uh, oh, Jesus. <laughs> You're having a stroke. You still moment. sound good. Yeah. 
Well, Tony, <laughs> I know that Tony's not feeling. I was sick all last week, and yeah. then I'm a little under the weather still. And I thought, well, why don't I just drink a little bit before the show, and then it's going to work out fine. Yeah, sound good. It's going well. Isn't <laughs> yeah, <it>? yeah, <laughs> and go well. All right, John over at Beer Law Center protects our hop grenade uh, trademark, and he can yeah. protect yours too. And if if you think you don't need uh, a trademark protection, your logo probably sucks. So if you uh, so change your logo and then call John over at Beer Law Center, he'll help you out. Tony, ever had to sue anybody for trademark infringement in the life in the life of Lagunitas yet? No suits, not yet. No, you've had to send some cease and desist. <clears throat> yes, yeah. yeah. Man, we always asked. Yeah, we, we actually I don't think there were ever letters. Okay, even until just recently, phone calls. You just call and say, "Hey, oh uh, yeah." yeah. So you just try to talk to people. Hope yeah. everyone's reasonable. We do that too. We do it via emails first. You know, hey guys, I'm. Sure, you've seen our hop grenade before, but after a while, it became so time-consuming that now we have sort of a form. Molotov cocktails. Yeah, now we yeah. <laughs> yeah, now we've resorted to terrorism, yeah, and it right. seems that's to work well. Well, yeah. fear. Well, fear. we haven't had any litigation yet, so yeah. <laughs> you know, I think it's better. This you mean way. they haven't caught you yet? Yes. Yeah, right. yeah. What is it that they're uh, taking, Tony? Is it like the the red splatter, or the dog face, or, or what? <laughs> right. No, I'm serious. I mean, because yeah. it's you know, there's multiple facets to the logo. Sure. For, for Lagunitas? Yeah. yeah. You know, you know the thing is uh, that 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 when when there been a little overlaps, it, it's been well. In one case, it was uh, there was a nice, nice little brewery out of the Sierras that called themselves Undercover Brewing. Mm, I and see. It's like, when, but you know, and they were aware, aware of us. They liked the name, and I think that's why they used well, they it. Took it. <laughs> and and, and uh, but often it, when, when it's been mostly it's been uh, the IPA logo uh, sort of presented in the particular art way that. As a design mark, the typeface. You know, it's, yeah, it's a design mark. It's, sure. We don't own the alphabet. We don't own IPA. It's not. But <laughs> right. but the way it, the way it looks and the way it's presented, you know, you, you work, you spend years to, mm. trying to earn that, and you know? it's worth protecting. Well, you know, you know, the thing is, is the future. Yeah. It's the, you know, that's the, the 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 brands that are around today. Maybe the global brands of 2050, and yeah. you have to kind of you know make sure that you have a shot at. Being that, I agree. So people do, and, and, other... and everyone un- misunderstands when you do it. You know, be, because every time, because in this world, it's like there's there's a feeling that everything that you see is in the commons, and and, and especially young people, you know, they, they have a they have a view of things as being shared, you know, kind of equities. And, everything should be free, man. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. it's, it's kind of like that, you know. It's true, and and sometimes people will do different versions of a hop grenade. You know, hop grenades are our, our main logo. And uh, they'll do a different version. They'll go, well, see, I don't see the resemblance. <laughs> yeah. And I'll go, well, it's a hop and a grenade. Yeah. <laughs> I, don't know what, I don't know what's missing. The grenade could look like B. Yeah. Arthur. It's still a grenade. <laughs> so, and yeah. hop. You know, but the, you're right that they don't get it. They generally go, oh, well, I, I'm not trying to infringe. And I go, well, I understand that. And, and, what, and what's often misunderstood is that you spend a lot of time trying to find the most primal way to present this. Yeah. And, and you, 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 you burned it down until you got to its essence. And, and that's what graphics will do. And you really are, are, are doing it. You know, yes. Like that. And so when other people work their way towards the essential, they end up in the same spot as you are. Yeah. And, yeah. and that's, that's, that's a compliment, but it's a problem. It, but it's a problem. Exactly. I had, it wasn't a trademark thing, but I had a little run-in with you guys. But oh, it, no. it was an incidental <laughs> one. So we were working with uh, Gordon Biersch uh, Brewing Company. And they often call us to do some media stuff and to do videos for them. I have a good relationship with Dan Gordon over there, and we were producing some funny videos. And he sent me this script, and he said, hey, I want to do a funny video that Gordon Biersch is releasing this ridiculous over-the-top beer, which Gordon Biersch wouldn't really do. Right. So it was kind of a funny script. I thought it was great. And, the, and it was, the script was called Hippotamus Maximus. And I said, oh, it's hilarious. And so I went out there, and we, and we shot the whole video. And it was just before one of our winter beer festivals, which you guys are always a part of. 
And about two days before the fest, I get a call from, um, oh God, who's it's not not Don. Ron Lindenbush? Uh, I get a call from Ron. Mm-hmm. Oh, he, leaves, Ron. he leaves a message on my phone. The video had done great. It was getting shared all over. People loved it. It was funny. As <laughs> Dan making fun of himself. It was a, a bottle, by the way, Tony, uh, just yeah. stuffed full of hops, no yeah. liquid in it. No liquid. It was just a bottle of hops. It but, was, but, it was so, the gimmick. So Ron didn't realize it was parody. It, well, <laughs> well, what I didn't realize, I had oh. forgotten about Maximus. I just, it just didn't occur to me. I, I, I didn't think about all your beers. Yeah. So Ron leaves a message on my phone. He goes, and we have a relationship anyway. He's, Good. It, basically, the, the message goes something like this. Justin, really? <laughs> Hopotamus Maximus? What the fuck? <laughs> Click. <laughs> that was about it. And, and, and he, I knew. He, he probably he, forgot what he was called about. <laughs> time he got, the, what, the what the fuck is like, what am I? What was that? What the fuck should I talk to you about? <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, I definitely called him because then I remembered. I went, oh, that's right. Maximus. And I called him back instantly. I'm like, Ron, I swear to God, I just forgot. I didn't even think about Mac. I didn't write the script. I didn't think. And of course, he's fine. Uh, he, he didn't. He just wanted to sort of give me a little shit about it. And I just went, uh, I felt terrible because I had such a good relationship you, with you guys, too. Didn't, and, you know, there was one time when I did a beer called XS Ale, the two letters, you know, and, and I was stupid. I didn't take the time to Google it. It turns out it's a line of beers the Rogue makes. Oh, right. And I'm. Couldn't be a, I couldn't be a bigger fan of anybody than Jack Choice. Yeah, and, yeah. and so it was like, oh, my God. And then a guy in the Oregonian writes about it. And, and, <laughs> and, oh, oh, it just goes crazy. And it's a Saturday. And so I call the brewery. And I'm trying to get Jack on the phone before he reads the paper. You know, <laughs> I get him on the phone in the morning on Monday. And I'm like, dude, I'm, I, I, this, this is wrong. It, I, I, I'm embarrassed because I wouldn't want to be seen as derivative. Sure. You know? Yeah. Because, yeah, you were It was hard. an accident. Yeah. And, and we ended up friends. And it was cool. But okay. still, it's like. That stuff just happens when you're not looking. Yeah. You know? Well, Ron <laughs> called me back and he said, it's fine, man. I just, I didn't get it. And then I just thought maybe you were taking a dig. And I said, I just had no idea. I forgot. Yes. <laughs> anyway, it happens. Yeah. Yep. All right. Let's do our feedback real quick. And then we'll uh, potentially talk to Antarctica. Maybe their phone system's down. Maybe it's snowing. You never know. No, I, think... I talked to him. Oh, you did. I so got the number now. We're going to call oh, him it's back the middle of the summer, summer there. Right. Yeah, send me over his number because I got to call him on Skype. They're at the so. beach. I am. Right. So they have lawn chairs then? <laughs> They're at Probably. the beach. Yeah. Them yeah. and the penguins. Right. All right. Matt writes in uh, Hi, Ass Machines and Bevo. I want to get straight to it. Is there what? going to be a Drunk of the Year award at the Brewing Network Awards this year? Uh, I'm the guy who uh, paused halfway through puking in the cat bowl to make sure I had said hello. It was during the last Brewing Network Awards, so it was this year. But it was before the semi-official uh, revival, so I wasn't named Drunk of the Week. Uh, I only found out that I had called in when my brewing buddy told me later that week. <laughs> and my wife was pissed for, well, we just don't talk about it. Thanks from Matt. I had forgotten about this. Me too. Yeah. Well, we had eliminated. I'm not going to lie. We don't we, have Drunk of the Week, so I don't know how we'd have Drunk of the Year. Right? Yeah, right. we had our awards meeting last week, and we eliminated Drunk of the Year because we don't take Drunk of the Week calls. Right. Well, so or we more could importantly, give, nobody calls in. Right. We'll take it, but we don't but ask But people for don't it. call yeah. anymore. Right. Now that it's not official. Right. People only wanted to call Drunk of the Week if they got their medal. Yeah. So what happened to just doing it for the sake of being it? <laughs> Everyone wants something. Man. Yeah. So Matt, how about we'll give you honorable mention because we're not doing drunk of the year this year. So yeah, we didn't do it last year either. Mentioned. We did the right. uh, we did the uh, lifetime drunken achievement. Oh, that's right. Uh, that Doc yeah. earned our own co-host won. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. 
All right, Alec writes in, hey, guys, I just wanted to give you hardworking fellas a shout. I got into the craft beer industry two years ago at a mm-hmm. nano brewery in southeastern Wisconsin. I was 19 at the time, and a few people <laughs> took me seriously in the industry. From there, I did an internship in Telluride, <laughs> and now I'm back in Wisconsin at Milwaukee Brewing Company after graduating from the Siebel Concise course. Good job going to school, man. Um, throughout the entire time, the industry, uh, I've always resorted to the Brewing Network to gain any further uh, beer knowledge. So I was overly excited to hear Angela Steele's podcast because um, she's young, like me. You guys inspire me every time I listen to the show and absolutely can't thank you enough. Keep it up from Alec. Thanks, brother. Too bad he left uh, Telluride. That might have been a mistake. Yeah, just it. So for Milwaukee, what happened there? Just got to follow how, the brew gig. I like uh, he wasn't taken seriously as a as a brewer. 19-year-old like, brewer. Like, what are you doing? I feel like you could just walk in, pull your pants down, and people would be like, oh, yeah, okay, come on, we're going to brew right now. Like, what are you doing? That you're, are you, like, teeping people's houses? Well, as a pro, though, when you go in at 19, I mean, yeah. if, for, would you yeah. hire a 19-year-old right. brewer, Tony? Would I you? was up, Miss Valerie. Yeah, exactly. Right. <laughs> That's what he said. I agree. I got a harumph out of that guy. <laughs> All right, uh... Gnome from Israel writes in. Either that or his name is Gnome Israel. Gnome Israel. But I think it's Gnome from Israel. I think he's saying no misery in Israel. Okay. So it's Gnome Israel. All right. Right. Well, Gnome writes in, hey, brewcasters, I listen to the show regularly. Um, and sometimes hear about the various beers you've got on tap at the Hop Grenade. I was wondering about how the Sour and Brett beers are handled. Do you have designated taps and lines for wild beers? How do you keep them from getting contaminated? I recently put a pineapple Berliner on tap at home and couldn't get rid of the flavor for weeks after. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So we do have dedicated lines. Occasionally, if we get more sour beers in than our dedicated lines, we have to put them on our other lines. Um, But our tap number one is always a sour tap. Uh, but there are two tricks that we do. One of them is that we actually clean our lines after every single keg that we tap. We don't wait a week. We don't wait two weeks. And, and by the way, breweries who wait a week to clean all their lines, that's fine too. But for us, it's more convenient and better just to clean a line right when we put on a, a new keg. So that's one way to do it. If a sour beer has been on that line, um, one of our other lines, the first thing we do is we'll leave the uh, uh, sanitizer, the cleaner, the line cleaner, mm-hmm. in the line overnight. Um, and usually that does the trick. You got to use line cleaner. And right, I know yeah, a lot of homebrewers will just right. use sanitizer, yeah. or even PBW, which is okay. Uh, but if, if you're trying to get rid of something and really get into the, to the hose there, use line cleaner. Do you know what the, the difference is between sanitizer and line cleaner? Like what's in it that's doing that? Chemically, I don't know. But I know that it's literally what it's intended to do. And so I just think it's a harsher caustic. I know Warren knows. Well, He'll sanitizer's tell you. not a caustic. Right. Sanitizers yeah. don't clean. Right. So... The cleaner, because in beer lines, they're uh, stone minerals build up stone. Also, biological matter can get caught in, like in the gaskets and just in the folds of the hose. And so the cleaner will get in there. The sanitizer will just skim across the surface, sanitize the top of the dirt. The cleaner will actually lift it up off. It'll penetrate. The hose. Yeah. Sounds like an infomercial. Actually lifts it up off of yeah. the hose. Yeah. Warren clean. And if you order now, yeah. right. we'll throw in three For 1995. Five buckets of Beardy Clean. <laughs> yeah. Um, Sounds like the worst cleaner ever. Beardy Clean. You won't regret it. Yeah. That's your line. You'll you be as clean as my beard. Yeah. You can't tell it's dirty. Yeah. When you guys are short draw, why don't you just replace the line when you... Uh... Well, and so we'll do that, too. That's, so we'll, we'll try leaving it overnight. Of course, if we have time, if it, if it sort of kicks at the end of the night and we don't need to put another beer on, we'll, we'll leave it sit overnight in the line. 
Um, but then the other thing we do, uh, we're a, a direct draw system, so none of our beer lines are longer than 12 feet, and uh, we would just replace the line. Since this is a home brewer asking the question, I would recommend oh. just replacing the line, too. Yeah, sure. Mm-hmm. I mean, you can do all of this if you're really looking to save the... Mm-hmm. What is, it's about, I think I bought beer line today. It's about 80 cents a foot. If you're looking to save the 80 cents a foot, try soaking it overnight in the, with the cleaner, uh, line cleaner. But otherwise, just replace it. Well, you're, you're paying for cleaner anyway, right? You're I mean, so how, well, but it would be cheaper. Oh, you buy sure. a bottle and you don't use that much of it. Actually, you, you said it's Noam from Israel. It's a, yes. Okay. Well, he might be concerned oh, he might about be the eighty cents. So. Yeah. That's true. Yeah. Um, I have a, um, a dedicated a two dedicated Cobra faucets at my house for sours only. So, so I don't have to like let it soak or worry about it. None of my the sour beers, quote unquote, that I do. Yeah. Um, which is all the time, apparently. Um, <laughs> it, it does, accidentals. Right. It doesn't. It doesn't contaminate the lines that are actually mounted into my fridge so if i want i have a sour beer on right now sour beer right. um it, it's on a hand tap and then when i'm done with it i'll take it off and i'll clean it out and then i'll leave it and then and if i have something else sour or if i get a commercial beer that's sour then i'll bring that hand tap and bring it so it's just it's dedicated there you go so if as a home but then you have it's to open easier. the refrigerator yeah, door but, but and you have fine. to use your thumb eh, get over it feels like as, so much work but as a homebrewer i think it's way easier to have a dedicated line than in a commercial establishment because if it was up to you you'd have 40 taps and then you can just you can have five dedicated and that's it and if you get a couple more you can put them on the, the overflow but as a homebrewer, you know, yeah, commercially you can't do that. But homebrewer, yeah, man, why not? Uh, on a commercial scale, we, we, we wrap a gerbil in a, in a Brillo pad. And oh, we, yeah. We put oh. Them, we oh. Just, oh. The Richard yeah. Gere method. And of, let them right. just run right. through. Yeah. 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 So listen, we've gotten you. Noam, you have four solutions. <laughs> right. Uh, line cleaner overnight. Uh, use a dedicated tap. Replace the line or a Brillo pad laden uh, gerbil. Yeah. Um, listen, uh, that doesn't solve your problem. I don't when, know what will. When you're doing uh, cleaning... Um, you should uh, uh, push it through. It should be moving. Yes. It's, yeah. We do that. We let it flow for a minute uh, and then let it soak. Yeah. And then let it flow the next day as well. But I, I, I talked yeah. to a lot of homebrewers. Go, yeah. I, I let it soak. And you know, well, how long did you let it run through? Huh. Yeah, you do. Have, yeah. You're right. That's a good point. You, no. you, it, the motion needs to happen. Yeah. In fact, a lot yeah, of good does. line cleaning systems are are just a loop. Mm-hmm. They just keep. It I'll do that through. too. I'll yeah. drop a feed down from the faucet into the same keg and the return keg and just let it go. There you go. Yeah. All right, so there you go, Noam. Good luck. Uh, RC, uh, he lives in Verizon Wireless, uh, wrote in... I hate that place. I just got a new phone on account of I fell down and broke my old one. <laughs> this is RC Collins <laughs> writing well, it. Well, it's good to <laughs> drunk of the week again. Yeah, yeah. same guy. Uh, the BN Mobile app doesn't seem to exist anymore. What gifts? Uh, it does exist, actually, if you search BN Mobile in iTunes... Uh, <laughs> I can't believe that it's it does there. exist. I mean, it's because there. these so many people are writing and going. I can't find it. Should we look it up again? I did. I looked it up last time this email came in, and it was there. I think our listeners have been drinking. I'm going to look it up right now. Oh, hi, Nate. Hi, Nate. <laughs> How you doing? What's happening, Scott? On on uh, not I, not the Apple the iDevice, but the Android. Well, device? it should be there too. The robot so device. Should, you can check the marketplace over there. Is he um, using um, a flip phone? Is it's that his new phone? The Play Store? <laughs> yeah. Maybe your phone doesn't accept apps. Did you get a flip phone? Uh, <laughs> I got this jitterbug. <laughs> All right. Uh, if you search for Bring Network, nothing comes up. No, search BN Mobile. No, I know. I'm just I'm doing all of the things that normal people would do. Normal people would search Brewing Network first. Yeah, that's not going to... If you search the Brewing Network on Apple, it comes up. But not on the Android store. And it does. And there is no BN Mobile on the on the Android store, on the on the Play Store. 
Did we get? Did I spell BN wrong? Did we get dropped again? I don't know, man. It was mistaken for a porn site, I think. <laughs> Bone or Mobile. It is. iPhone apps. Boner Network. Okay, it is in iTunes. I'm looking at it right now. If you search BN Mobile, it will be there. I will find out what's up with, with Android, because it should be there, too. There you go. In fact, it never left Android, so that's new. <laughs> Jesus. All right. Well, Android has a higher standard, so. iBeerNut42 writes in. <laughs> I've had Baby It's Cold Outside stuck in my head for 10 days or so. <laughs> Can you please play one of Sugar Valley Brewer's songs to, to get it out of my head? Uh, maybe later in the program, I'll play some Sugar Valley Brewer. Uh, preferably something about Bevo, right? Correct. Oh, yes. Yeah. All right. We'll do that. Uh, KT writes in, um, maybe this is a show or a segment idea. I haven't heard any bits on the legality or appropriateness of donating homebrew or a homebrew demo session beer for school fundraising events. Uh, do you folks have any knowledge on the subject, especially pertaining to California? Mm-hmm. There really isn't much on the web that I've found using Bing. If it's not on, if you can't bing it, it doesn't exist. I just let's be honest. Keep up the great work from KT. So I can't answer this universally because every state is different. You're going to have to look into to your own state. But in California, um, you are allowed to donate homebrew now to fundraising events. You you didn't used to be, but now you are. As long as the nonprofit uh, is not directly related to promoting beer. So in other words, the uh, American Homebrewers Association, which mm-hmm. is a nonprofit, is not really allowed to take donations of beer in, and sell them uh, to, to raise money because they're dedicated to the purpose of promoting beer. But the Coral Reef Alliance, for example, who is the beneficiary of our Winter Brews Festival, is allowed to accept donations of beer. And that's why we have Tasty's Tasting Room at Winter Brews Festival. Oh, it's going to be in full bloom, uh, too. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and, and homebrewers donate their beer, and yeah. you're allowed to go taste homebrew. Now, that's a relatively recent law. It's only a couple years old, actually. Yeah. Now, they've amended that uh, portion where you can't be a, uh, a charity. A dedicated. A dedicated. They've made an exception for uh, places like the Southern California Home Brewers Association, uh, who is, of course, made up of home brewers. And its only purpose is to promote home brewers. Oh, so that's allowed now, too. It is not. Yeah, it's legal now. So now that whole thing is gone? That's gone. They amended that in uh, effective January 1st. Oh, shit. I, gotta t- I, think the better BN, get I think the BN should go from uh, what we are now to a uh, 501c3. I think <laughs> we should be it. a nonprofit yeah. now. Yeah. Aren't you a nonprofit now? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. As you know, Tony, uh, we're all nonprofits for a while. I, for a long time, I, was, I wanted to change our website to lagunitas.org. <laughs> <laughs> Might as well. Would, would the school have to get a liquor license then to sell the beer as a donation? You get a that, day license. So They just need an event license? or Yes. Okay. And in fact, when I was dropping off the license for Coral the other day at ABC, there was a person in line in front of me working for, I think, a Concord school district applying for a day permit to do a fundraiser for beer. It wasn't homebrew. It was craft beer. But um, just look into it. Contact ABC. But you can do that. Uh, I think most schools don't really get into it. You don't want to do it for you? You don't want to do it for them? But yeah, contact <laughs> ABC and, and you'll, you'll get some lowdown. All right, and then our last email, I'm not going to read the whole thing. It basically was about how we're too Howard Stern and we bullshit too much. He likes the sour hour because you guys don't fuck around as much as we do. Uh, but he's, he's tired of the session because all we do is fuck around. Right. And he wants his wife to be able to listen. Um, so all I can say to that is we've been getting this email for years, and like I've always said, uh, we're not for everybody. But there's always a show on the Brewing Network that you can find. So the sour hour's there, and uh, Jamil's shows are there. Although he's pretty heavy on the dick jokes, too. <laughs> he's, he, was a, yeah, yeah, he was a big focus of that email i think he even said something let's see uh um listening to jamil talk about shitting 
uh, or hearing the <laughs> or hearing the blow their warm load of customer service commercials. Well, that's not our fault. That was one of our sponsors. Yeah. And if they want to write a commercial about a Things warm load like of customer service, right. who are we to say no? And it, by the way, it's metaphor. Yes. Let's relax a little bit. Like, sounds, yeah. like, sounds like he needs a new wife. If you don't want to hear about... <laughs> yeah. yeah, maybe the real solution is not that we shut up your, a little bit. Your wife's uptight, baby. Yeah. <laughs> you, need to, you need to pony up for a new wife. If you don't want to hear about shitting, there's a sour hour and there's Dr. Homebrew. <laughs> That's pretty much it. Yeah. So listen... Anything I, else, you're, you're fucked. As since the beginning of time, which was 2005 for us, right. I cannot solve this problem for you. No. We have potty mouths and it's just the way it is to keep listening to the, the sour hour and... Thank you for the input, but right. um, I just I can't fix it. But also, you know, what was interesting about the email is that he wants his wife to get into homebrewing, and so he said he's tried to make her listen to our show four or five times to get interested in homebrewing. Bro, if she's not interested by you brewing or by drinking your beer, then she's not interested, and you should stop forcing her to like something she doesn't want to like. Right. I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm emancipating women right now. <laughs> well, it seems like right, you're not doing a good job. If I, you're not owning up to your failure of him and his wife. Shit. Yeah. That sucks. Yeah. Uh, Bebo, I got an invalid number for Antarctica, and I'm kind of over time anyway, so we're just we're going to have to postpone Antarctica. I mean, it'll still be there I next read it back to him. Yeah, it's probably a Skype issue. I don't okay. know what to tell you. Uh, What's the country code for Antarctica? Antarctica, if you're listening, just you can call in again, but I think we're going to have to move this to, to next week anyway. And I'm sorry about that, but what are you really going to be doing next Monday, too? Who knows? Right? Who knows? Watching Pumpkins Mate. It's so Animal husbandry. Pumpkins. Pumpkins. Right. Penguins. Pumpkins? <laughs> yeah. Uh, my shit. apologies, though. I do want to find out how beer is brewed in Antarctica, and so uh, we'll try to get to that next week uh, if we can. In the meantime, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, Tony McGee from Lagunitas is with us, and we're going to learn all about the new book, So You Want to Start a Brewery, The Lagunitas Story. Hang in there. It's the session. We'll be right back. Listening to the Brewcasters. Brewcasters on the Brewing Network. Since the first time the Brewing Network microphones turned on, more beer was behind it. More beer sponsors the programming on the BN because, like you, they love brewing, and like the Brewing Network, they love sharing their knowledge. Morebeer.com isn't just a website to place your next equipment or ingredient order. Morebeer.com also gives you access to free beer information that will make you a better brewer. Go to morebeer.com and click into the Learning Center. You'll find podcasts, technical facts, video tutorials, and more, including access to The Buzz, More Beer's social network of more than 5,000 members. And some of them might even be crazier about beer than you are. Get over to morebeer.com today and take advantage of The Buzz, The Forum, The Learning Center, and make sure you're signed up to receive the newest More Beer catalog. More Beer, bringing you absolutely everything for beer making. The 21st Amendment. Watch out! Do you like beer? They make beer. Watch out! Do you like friends and fun? They make friends and fun. Watch out! Do you still like to have a good time? The 21st Amendment. Watch out! The 21st Amendment in San Francisco, located at 563 2nd Street, two blocks from the building where baseball is seen and played. Try their beers in the pub or try them in the can. Featuring... Monk's Blood. Made with real monk. Watch out! 
So why not have the best time of your life? Go to the 21A and Sean O'Sullivan will personally greet you with a can of Monk's Blood. The 21st Amendment. Watch out! This advertisement is not in any way affiliated nor associated with the 21st Amendment Bar and Pub, nor its subsidiaries or affiliates. This telecast is not copywritten by the 21st Amendment for the private use of the Brewing Network. Any use of this telecast without Jamil Zanishev's consent is prohibited. Suck it, JP. Do you support the Brewing Network? Do you brew your own? Are you looking for any economical, fun, and legal way to do both? Subscribe to Brew Your Own magazine and do just that. All year long, Brew Your Own will surprise you, entertain you, and educate you with articles on beer and brewing from authors like the Brewing Network's very own Jamel Zedashat and John Palmer. Each issue is a full pint of brewing techniques, homebrew stories, tips and photos, projects to make yourself, and recipes for the avid home brewer. Get your tough questions answered by Mr. Wizard and polish your style accuracy with DeVille. A portion of every subscription goes to the Brewing Network, so subscribe today at byo.com slash brewingnetwork or just click the BYO logo on the Brewing Network homepage and support a fantastic hobby and your favorite broadcaster. Brew your own. The how-to homebrew beer magazine. Are you a member of the American Homebrewers Association? Well, you should be. Members of the AHA can focus on brewing beer, and the AHA takes care of the rest. The American Homebrewers Association advocates on behalf of homebrewers like you to legalize the hobby in all 50 states and make sure that beer laws make sense. Plus, there are many great benefits that come with your AHA membership, like pub discounts that give you awesome deals at bars, restaurants, breweries, and more, Zymergy Magazine, and eZymergy. For tons of articles, how-tos, easy-to-follow recipes, and news about the hobby you love. And access to the members-only content on homebrewersassociation.org. But the AHA can't do it without your support. Join today so the American Homebrewers Association can keep fighting for your homebrewing rights. Visit homebrewersassociation.org or join right now from the homepage of the Brewing Network website. Relax. Don't worry. It's the American Homebrewers Association. Hi, I'm Jason Harris, the proud owner here at Keystone Homebrew Supply. We're thrilled to be entering our 20th year of supplying this great industry. And to show you, the Brewing Network Army, how much we appreciate your support, we're offering you 10% off your first order on our website, keystonehomebrew.com. Just use coupon code BNARMY at checkout, and I'll get your order out the same day. My goal at Keystone Homebrew Supply has always been to have a complete supply of everything a brewer could want. When you place your order online or when you come into our store, it's our goal to have everything on your list and more. One aspect of KeystoneHomebrew.com that we're really excited about is the ability to fulfill customers' exact grain bills. Do you hate to wait? Keystone Homebrew Supply can get your precious yeast and hops to you within just one day if you live between Connecticut and Virginia and within two days east of the Mississippi. KeystoneHomebrew.com I'm Jason Harris and I approve this message.
All right. Hey, welcome back to the program, and thanks for hanging out with us. we got Tony McGee from Lagunitas in here with us. Uh, real quick, before we get into the Tony McGee story, i got to remind you about the Siebel Institute of Technology. It's America's oldest brewing school. More courses than any other brewing school, which include advanced home brewing, so you don't even have to go to be a pro, craft distilling, and beer styles courses. For those of you looking to be a BJCP judge, you can ace those beer knowledge exams. Professional-level brewing courses available both campus-based and and web-based, so you can do it at home uh, while you have a day job. Uh, in fact, one of the fascinating uh, things we're going to learn about with Tony tonight is how long he kept another job while running uh, Lagunitas. So if you want to learn to brew at Siebel, you can keep your other job and do web-based courses. Uh, faculty include some of the best-known and most respected instructors in international brewing. Visit them online at SiebelInstitute.com for all the information. I just want to point out, you see, Tony, how uh, the high-quality nature of that exposure for our friends at Siebel. Yeah. We, we can oh, always yeah. do that for Lagunitas if, it ever, uh, you know, <laughs> if you're ever looking for uh, sources. All right. Just throwing that out there. I had a meeting. Siebel's cool. That's a great place. Siebel is cool. My, my brother-in-law, Ray Daniels, he teaches class there. He runs uh, the Cicerone program. Ray I didn't know Ray's your brother-in-law. brother-in-law? Yeah, yeah, he's my sister. I knew yeah, your sister that. lived there, but yeah. I didn't know that. Well, that's a weird. Yeah. And you're still It's friends. a nice family. I know. It's, it's kind of cool. That's <laughs> very cool. The glitterati, you know. That's very nice. Well, he. so you're a Chicago guy. Right? Originally, yeah. Originally. Yep. When yep. did you move to California? 1987. 27 years old. For what? Uh, to get away from my past, okay. I mean, to, get away, okay. to get away from a whole string of bad decisions and launch a, a, new, a new string of poor decision making. <laughs> Don't people normally go to Alaska or Florida when they're running away from their problems? Yeah, that, that would have been or maybe, Antarctica. It, that would have been. It depends since, on the level of bad decisions. San Francisco, for, to me, in Chicago, seemed like Alaska. I mean, nothing could have been more exotic. So. Or farther away. Or farther away. So exactly. I. Uh, I want to get into the book because there's a lot to talk about with it, and I, I just want to say. First of all, that it, I've always been a fan of Lagunitas. Um, but in reading the book, I've discovered, Tony, you're, you're my hero. Uh, and <laughs> and I think that people are going to understand why, especially if you read the book. It's actually that Tony is no holds barred in, in this book. And he talks about all of – you talk about all your downfalls. You talk about the things you screwed up. There's way more of those than there were the others. There's you, know? a, you talk about all the things you didn't know about and right. that you fumbled your way through. You give recognition to a lot of luck and good people that helped out. And all the way through, I'm reading that, and I'm just going, I love this guy because I've been an idiot the whole time running the Brewing Network. <laughs> and I tell you, and you never <laughs> look, yeah. listen. But, but look where you ended up here. This is a wonderful thing you guys got going here. And we ended up here. And that's and it's fun for me to read your story, too, because I just it made me feel not as alone as an idiot. You're like a kindred idiot with me. <laughs> that's, so, a, <laughs> that, that's a compliment, I think. Life, he, sometimes life is just a fall down the stairs. You know, you, you think you're climbing them, but the truth is you're heading. <laughs> you're, yeah. Well, and not only that, I, I could also admit that um, – so Sierra Nevada Pale Ale introduced me to craft beer. But yep, yep. Lagunitas IPA made me fall in love with craft beer. It's the wow, one that made me go like, oh, there's a bunch of crazy beers that, that should be tried. Yeah. Uh, it was just – it was so different at the time that I tried it. This was somewhere around, I want to say, 99 or 98 or something. And yeah, I, yeah. I tried I- IPA and it just – it was at a local bar right around the corner as a matter of fact. Right, right. And it just kind of, it just kind of blew my mind. Took, I think a lot of people must say that to you. Well, you know, yeah, I hear a lot of positive things. It's exciting IPA. to hear, you know. I mean, always exciting to hear that. But the truth is, in the time that we made that beer, there was, like, nothing quite like it. And, yeah. You know, it, it wasn't a good idea. 
Mm-hmm. I mean, that's the underlying thing, you know. Mm-hmm. You say in your book that you were the first California brewery to to lead with an IPA, like to it was your with. flagship. That's right. Yeah, that's yeah. really true. That's yeah. really true. But but that was born out of the fact that uh, you know the uh, brewery that I had a you know ton of respect for Sierra Nevada Brewing. Uh, just everything they did was gold plated, and it was uh, uh, incredibly well executed. And they what they, it seemed like to me like the things they did, they did humbly and and and, uh, and without pretense. And and, and we you know so that we began. We made a, night, a pale ale. And a stout. It seemed like it just light and dark. There was a place for me to start. And uh, I quickly realized I didn't want to compete with Sierra. I wanted to sell around them. I wanted to be a, a peer. I wanted to be a partner in the market. And we at made, that time, you would have had to compete with them, right? Because they yeah, were on tap everywhere. But, but, and the truth is, is that their, their work was so beloved by retailers as well as consumers that you know, nobody wanted two pale ales back then. I mean, now you go into a bar, you'll find three, hmm. three, three uh, double IPAs. Right. Back then, it would be a wheat, an amber. There'd be a, a Coors Light or a Bud Light. And, and there'd be a, you know, a, 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 like Red Hook ESB. And there'd be Sierra Nevada Pale Ale. I mean, they wanted one of each representative style of the world. And, okay. Because um, retailers didn't understand what was going on. All they knew is they wanted to provide they, they knew their customers were excited about variety and they wanted to provide some variety and they only wanted to have like six or eight taps there weren't very many 50 tap bars back then you know sure now it's very common so so i wanted to sell around uh, this great brewery and uh, so we did the ipa as a way to um to, to be able to sell alongside and it turned out obviously to be a great decision and especially at the time you it was it was new i mean it was so yeah so but you know this i mean i, I grew up as a musician and uh you know what you want to do is you want to stand on the shoulders of giants, and and you know they, they've they've you know climbed that last hill, and maybe you'll see something a little further away if you do. And so that was the idea there is to try to find find something new to do, something that hadn't been thought of before, and that meant that, uh, that intrinsically it wasn't going to be an, a good idea. In fact, it was going to be a long shot, <laughs> right? You know, and, and if and if people loved it right away, you know, back then I mean we could, we could have made a wheat beer, we could have made a, uh, you know a fruit beer, we could have made an amber ale. I mean, all those things were like what everybody was doing. I remember there was an old Milwaukee red at the time. Oh, know? right. And, and, Weinhardt's red, I don't know. But, and, but it seemed like, well, you know, it's like I want to find something new that hasn't been done yet. Sure. And Weinhardt's so, red well, is good, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> I drink a lot of that. That's some Taco Bell for a couple of years. <laughs> <laughs> Lived on it. Taco Bell beer right there. Well, let's what, back up even yeah, further. Yeah. Well, uh, I was going to ask if the IPA was something that you brought with you from homebrewing beforehand. It wasn't. Nope. Not even close. Not even close. And, and, IP, and IPAs were like, they were pretty exotic things back then. I mean, sure. uh, homebrewers made them and because it was exciting. For homebrew, the more anything you put in the kettle, the better. You know, it was just, it was just more stuff and everything. <laughs> really simple concept. More must be better. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Uh, but, uh, but there's Bridgeport uh, and, uh, you know, Anderson Valley made a nice IPA. It was a 100 IBU IPA back then. This is Ken Allen. I mean, no, and, and it was, but it was all first edition hopping. And and that that was a thing that I think well, that we did early that that only Grant Johnston, who was brewing at Marin Brewing at the time, did these late heavy late editions, small early editions, and late heavy editions, and, and that's that was the model I built our thing on. And I found that that yielded an opportunity to make an IPA that didn't taste like anything anyone had done before. Yeah, and it did. So, yeah. I remember Bridgeport too. That's one I found after yeah. after your beer, and I, I went looking for those types of things and yeah. bottle conditioned Bridgeport IPA. And there was Grant's IPA as well. Okay, out of Washington. Yeah. Okay, yeah. But that was a very. Those were all very traditional heavy first edition. And that heavy first edition, you, you get a very astringent bitterness. I mean, it's up. It's in your face. It's you know, it's puckering kind of stuff. 
there's this other fraction of hops that appears with the late edition that now everybody understands and it's very commonly kind of employed. But sort of shifted then, to that now. Yeah, but back then it, it, it wasn't thought of. Uh, and Grant, like I said, Grant Johnston, he was he was fucking with that stuff and, and was doing some really interesting things with it. And, and what, what knocks me out about that is that, you know, brewing by that time is already 15,000 years old. There's four ingredients and there is still something new to know about it. Yeah, you know? yeah. It's crazy. So let's back up even further. Uh, so before Lagunitas, before you got into brewing, you, the you, diaper you moved, period. Yeah, that, we're going to go yeah. all the way. Back. Well, first the earth cooled, yeah, and then yeah. we're, we're back to shitting again. Right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right. we always go back to shitting. <laughs> You're going to learn that quick. Um, you move out here. What was your job pre Lagunitas? I, I moved out. I was I was playing in a reggae band back there, working nowhere jobs and doing you know nothing that was going anyplace. And so I came out here actually just to kind of straighten out. And I got a job. Uh, I got a job offer from a company in Los Angeles to sell printing. And they said to me, "Well, okay." My dad had moved to Los Angeles, and I went came to visit him. And then I met this printing company, and they, they said, "Well, we have an opening in San Francisco." I'm like, okay. Oh. I kind of wanted to live in L.A., you know. <laughs> right. And, and I'm like, what's it like up there? <laughs> All I could picture was Rice Aroni and the, the – the, 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 Really, you know. The, yeah. the sales manager said uh, – the sales manager said, uh, well, some people really like it up there. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so I got on a plane, came up, and I was selling commercial printing for okay. the first uh, first tw- 12 years of the brewery. Wow. Or first, first 12 years of living here, and five of those overlapped with the brewery. Okay, five years into the brewery. That's yeah. something I definitely wanted to get to. You were still working. And yeah. I want to talk about we'll – when we get to financing a little bit, I w- I we'll talk about that. Right. But So you were a musician first, yeah. and uh, you, you're classically trained as well, right? Like you can compose and – Yeah, I studied composition. I, I wanted to write music for television commercials, which at the time was a giant industry in Chicago. I mean, there were – you know, all of the great consumer product companies had ad agencies in Chicago or New York, and Chicago mm-hmm. was one of those centers, and it was a career. You had some gigs at that, and then yeah. you say in the book that mononucleosis ended your jingle career. <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. Is that right? Yeah, we, I, we, were, we were recording. Uh, uh, I had done not the final uh, production for it, but the, the sketch for a Philadelphia cream cheese commercial. And, and I turned to the producer, and I said, man, I really don't feel good. I, you know, I went to the doctor. He says I might have mono, and like the room cleared immediately. <laughs> <laughs> and they told me to go home. And oh, right. And by the time I was back and ready to go a month later that my seat had been filled and you know, okay. I was back to scratch. And, and the truth is I'm a pretty good musician, but there are people who are freaking great and, and there's only three jobs, you know, so, so it, it was all right. It was just Darwin having his way with my career choice. So. Sure. But the truth is I think I studied music uh, so that I'd know how to um, create a brand. I, I think I studied composition so that I, I, I would uh, understand how to build a, a beer recipe. Okay. You know, I, I, I studied, spent one year in design. I didn't know why, but it turned out it was so that I could design beer labels. I mean, you know, Steve Jobs has this great thing. He says, you know, when you're looking forward, you can't connect the dots. So you have to, you know, you're looking backwards, you can always connect the dots. Oh, this happened, that happened, so this would occur, that, and it brought me here, you know. But looking forward, you just have to trust in something else. And so but when I look backwards, it's like clearly I was, all the learning yeah. was meaningful and nothing was wasted. I just was, they were misdirected and I finally found the thing to do. I think that's a great message for for young entrepreneurs or even just young people that you're I remember a lot of times going, what the fuck am I doing? And why did I take this? And why did I take that? And you're really down on yourself sometimes because you're kind of going nowhere. You feel like you're just spinning your wheels. You do. But you do realize later on when you get to where maybe you're supposed to be, like like you feel you have. And I feel that I'm I'm where I'm supposed to be. You can connect the dots. That's a fact. And you go, if I didn't have that, even that shitty moment, and some of them were good moments. 
I wouldn't be here today. Yeah, my, my one year in design school was at uh, the Mahali Nagi New Bauhaus School of Design at uh, Illinois Institute of Technologies down in the south side of Chicago. And and in the first year, it was, I was studying product design, not graphic design, 3D product design. And the first year, though, all they do is, is 2D. And uh, it was the first semester was just black and white type. There were no pictures. There was no – it was just arranging type on, on a page. Look at our labels. It's like that's all that I do. And, and, but the thing about it was is it gave the labels a unique voice. Yeah. I mean, I worked with type as as medium, you know. And, yeah. and if I learned more, I, I'd be a more ordinary designer. And my labels would look more like other people's. And it wouldn't be bad, but they'd look different than they do. Okay. How, so. come, how come Lagunitas doesn't have a jingle? A jingle. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, you, you know. I mean, it does. They just forgot. Lagunitas. You know, for some people, like that, that those things get in your blood like a like a like a, like a bacteria. For, for me, it's like an antibody. <laughs> right. We should write a Lagunitas jingle. We really need to. They're, they're incredibly like effective. The we should we should cobble one together. We're all relatively talented. Right. Well, they, I didn't they want to say it, you were going to use that word. I didn't want to choke Lagunitas, that's the name. And just flush your troubles down the drain. <laughs> yeah. You don't pee-pee. have to be sober at Lagunitas Brewery. <laughs> yeah. You're not allowed to do that now, but back in the 50s, that would have been fine. That would have been a great jingle. Uh, now, speaking of things, you kind of say everything in this book. And you briefly say, you know, when you were in bands before... That you, you finally quit the band because you were high on LSD for 30 days? Well, that, <laughs> Did yeah. I read that correctly? Yeah. What happened there? Just Reggae give me well, LSD, what? to me, don't go together. But uh, what do I know? <laughs> were you Bob Marley reincarnated for 30 days? <laughs> Have That's you ever looked Snoop closely Dogg. at Bob Marley or, or Peter Tosh or <laughs> Jimmy Cliff? I mean, those yes. guys, they were higher than just a little bit of weed. I they think, were, you know? absolutely. <laughs> so. Now, yeah, well, 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 you, when you do a thing... You want to do it well. That's true. <laughs> Even so, LSD. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, the LSDs. We were, we were tripping and eating mushrooms and, and, you know, just smoking weed and playing. I mean, because we'd be out on the road, like, you know, sometimes two weeks at a pop, and we'd be back home for three, four days and back out. And after a while, he's just sitting on the bus, you know, riding between college towns around the, the, the Midwest and such. You know, you just you get quite bored. And sure. So you start entertaining yourself. and. But but the thing is that we weren't making any money. I come back home and I had an MG, and it never ran. Right? Yeah. So so I come back and my rent would be due, my car wouldn't be working. We needed some money, and so we we talked to a friend who we knew had a friend who knew a guy who had a buddy up in Rockford, Illinois. And we drove up to Rockford and we uh, we, we bought a, a sheet of, of Mr. Natural from him. And, and and but the thing is, he was tripping and he sold us three sheets without knowing it. And, and so we decided we would follow our initial plan because it's important to follow through and sell one sheet and the other two sheets we ended up eating. You did. So, yeah. I can't imagine. So I've done all these things as well. Seven, I, seven hits. You wake up, seven hits, go back to sleep, wake up, Christ. tripping, go to philosophy of religion. You know, try to <laughs> I can't imagine what you're like coming out the other side of that. You know, it took it was probably a year before I could speak clearly. Yeah. Honest to God. Oh, I mean, man. If, if, if I had to say something like, you know, uh, throw the elephant down the drain. You know, I mean, the elephant, <laughs> the, I mean, those those my mouth wouldn't make those noises for a better part wow. of the year. And I worked as a short order cook. <laughs> wow. Because I, I didn't have to talk very much. <laughs> yeah. Perfect gig. Send you tickets. Yeah. Okay. No. Well, I but had all, to bring these, all these experiences pile up and they make, they make you, they make, if you're lucky, you survive them and it just gives you a perspective on the world that others won't have. Sure. You know? And Lagunitas does have a very unique personality. You talk about it in, in, in the book in terms of how your fans like us relate to it. 
I think it's your unique personality, not just the great beer, that makes us love Lagunitas. And, and it's not mine solely. You know, I'm, I'm like a lens at the brewery. I, like as a composer, right? So I write a piece of music. It goes on to pieces of paper that have dots and lines on it. I hand them to virtuosos who then turn those things into sounds and emotions and feelings and, and pictures in people's minds, you know. So it's like I'm still that with the, with the brand and, and the company. I'm sort of a lens, but, you know, you know, Ron Lindenbush, you know, Jeremy. You yeah, know, yeah. I mean, these are the people that, you know, that really bring, you know, the richness and the depth to, to, the, to the vibe at the brewery. I mean, I, I continue to be that lens, but I, I'm not the author of it by any means. Sure. You know? All the way at the end of the book, you even kind of expound on that, where you, you, you talk about maybe the success of not just Lagunitas, but craft beer yeah. is from the consumers totally and what is. we want and give back to you guys. There's a giant hole in the world that sucked all of us into it to serve it. And, you know, it's like the thousand monkeys sitting at a typewriter, you know. Eventually, one will type Shakespeare, you know. And so the same thing has happened. There's, there's just this consumer need for a thing. And so... People did all kinds of crazy things to try to fill it. Some of us brewed beer, and it turned out that was what people wanted. The people didn't even know they wanted it. They knew they needed something. Right. They wanted something to build community around. Uh, I, I, I use the word tribe a lot. You know, it's like, it, it's, uh, and craft brewing uh, serves uh, this fundamental human need that, uh, that, that the big breweries simply can't. The imports could never in a million years, and uh, soda pop can't. Beer is a different sort of ritual. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's like, you know, I mean, when you, when you really spend enough time with beer, you start realizing how deep into the, the essential nature of life on earth that beer actually is connected. You yes. know, that, that yeah. that's, it's, a, it's a profound relationship. There's no explaining it. It's just true, you know. We've talked about the, why craft beer is so important and, and that our favorite part of the industry is the people. We, we've talked about it. But what you're saying really put a fine point on it for me was that maybe we just had a need, like you said, and craft beer just happened to fill it. And give us that community and, and a common ground and an experience every time we take a drink and, and talk about it with our friends that we just didn't have before. So, so the brewery has, you know, we're, we're a business. We don't, we don't have a board of directors. I mean, the board of directors is my wife and myself and one friend, you know, but we have an advisory board. And one of the people on the advisory board, these are some freaking monsters of the universe. One of the guys is the chief marketing officer from Facebook. All right. And so we'll, we'll be meeting on Friday. And, and I, I said to him that you know, the last time we met that I think beer is the original social media. Yeah. You know, I mean, that's why they called them public houses, because it was where the tribe, the town, the community met to births and deaths. You know, the news of the day, the conflicts, resolve things, get, you know, spend time, you know, bonding. I mean, it's the original social media. Yeah. Well, the original Here's information that. highway, if you will. Like, yeah, the, exactly. exactly. The pathway yeah. Or and it was the social lubricant for yeah. that particular yeah. sure. form of. Yeah, let's not forget that important part. Yeah. No. Lubricant for social intercourse. <laughs> That's right. Or just lube. <laughs> Never forget lube. Yeah. <laughs> now, yeah, you, you mentioned your wife. Uh, yeah, yeah. So Car- in the Carissa. beginning, yeah. um, you had a good gig with the, with the paper, but it, it kind of went south. And uh, for lack of a better term... <laughs> You were kind of fucked before Lagunitas, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, we're talking bankruptcy here. Yeah, and you even thought, and you were newly married, but you even thought, wow, this might not happen either. Yeah. <laughs> uh, can you talk to us a little bit about that period of time that led you up to Lagunitas? Well, you know, we ain't got nothing ain't got nothing to lose, right? So all of a sudden, anything's possible. And there I was, you know, at, at, uh, at, at 33 years old with a ton of resource, you know, but, but no, uh, no avenue. And uh, so as we were married and as the you know, printing business was kind of coming, you know, kind of collapsed during the Gulf War period. And all of a sudden I bought a house and I, I, you know, I owed $50,000 in taxes because my printing business went away because the Gulf War and just a whole 
constellation of things kind of crossed and, and I wasn't sure I was going to be married for much longer anyway. And so, um, so I, I, I rented this building down the street and I had brewed one batch of homebrew and I could see my way to doing more of that. And so I rented this little building down the street and went and applied for a, a beer license. Didn't ask my wife for anything. You know? After one batch Wait, of homebrew. Was yeah. it even finished? Uh, it, 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 it did was, you just brew it? It, it, ah. it was finished. It was finished. Oh. I, I brewed it and I drank it and it was delicious. The second batch was in process as I was deciding to start the brew. The second batch turned out terrible. <laughs> was that the Cal Common that you write that, about? In the yeah, book? that okay. was Anchor. Yeah. yeah. And, and the, But the thing about it was is that you know, I mean, again, being a musician, right? You, you play one gig, you play really well, and you're like, fuck, I got my shit together. You play the next week, you, you, just, you, just, you just suck ass. You, you can't figure out why. How, so the difference is how prepared you were. Yeah. It, it's not you whether or not You just described my music be. career, by the way. Yeah, well. I played one gig that was great, and the rest yeah. of them sucked. Except for the first part. <laughs> but, but, but see, the thing is, that to me was exciting. The, the 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 gap there between the two things it's like I can learn to do this you know I, I know how to focus I know how to I, I could do it once I can do it twice mm-hmm. and I just haven't yet so right. so so so, the, so I, I read the space there so I could live in it if I had to you know <laughs> it was I, your backup plan yeah, yeah it was my backup plan That's you're right. still married to the same woman now yep and she she has a big role at the brewery and she you know runs all the trucking the logistics parts of it all yeah. But if it doesn't work out, you have a legit brewery to stay at now. <laughs> yeah. I, got, I got tanks I can live in if I had to, yeah. Got a couch. Yep, exactly. So you guys made it through some, some really tough times. And, uh, you know, I don't want to go too far into it because you really should read the book. But something that Tony describes in the book are the financial difficulties of, of not just being an entrepreneur, but particularly for being a brewery. And not just a brewery but a successful brewery. In detail, you really describe that, okay, so we're selling more beer, and people like it, and the brand is working, and I'm selling more beer, so now I need more equipment, and now I need to hire somebody. And you start to talk about cash flow, yeah. which is something people, for some reason, aren't <laughs> taught in even all the brewing schools. No. So what ended up happening is the more successful you became, the harder it was for you even to stay in business. Do I have that about right? Every day. Okay. Every day is like that. You know, it's like a high school... You know, kid growing. You, you, you're growing two inches a year. No matter how many chocolate sundays, banana splits, you, you you cannot put on a pound. And in fact, you're 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 getting your back starting to kind of get curved because you're just growing too quickly and you can't keep up. And your body that's the business when it's growing that fast. It's, it's just out of. I mean, the, the 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 sort of cheeky kind of accountant way to say it is that you know your balance sheet eats you alive. Sure. You know, mm-hmm. you, know you're, you do a great job of describing what it means. I think in a, in a practical way. So instead of just talking about balance sheets, what Tony does is he really goes, so here's what happens. you got to order all the raw materials to produce beer. And then those people want to be paid. But the beer doesn't go out for X amount of days. And then even when it goes out, you're not going to be paid for another X amount of days from the people who bought the beer. Um, and by then, the first people who you bought all the ingredients for are calling to get paid on their bill. But yeah. you haven't been paid on your bill right. of all the beer that you sold. And – it kind of scared the shit out of me the way you write it, actually, Tony. <laughs> I was trying to. <laughs> it was scary. <laughs> it, it, it must have been. Yeah. And all the while, now, during this time, your, your answer most of the time was to work harder at your day job right. in order to pay your employees and everything else. Yep, that's right. I was, sell, I was selling printing to, in, order to, in order to just generate cash. Because you need to be, you know, they say, well, you got to be well capitalized. Well. That was what it was I was doing. I was just, you know, I'd, I was making a lot of money selling printing. And I'd get a big check, you know, for, you know, five figures on it. And I would take, you know, 2000 home and, you know, use it to pay the mortgage with and put the sure. rest of it directly into the brewery and never even tell my wife that the check arrived. <laughs> so. right. Well, the point that you made, I, I see happen all the time where uh, breweries open and they're undercapitalized. Yeah. And one thing they forget to put on their 
business plan is the operating income you need uh, to get you going through that first cycle. Right. Uh, buy the ingredients, make but, the beer. But there's no way you can, there's really, if you're growing at like oh, then 20, that, 20%, right. there's no way you can earn enough. And that's, well, that, if that's a growing number, yeah. then yeah. Yeah. And then so what you need, so the answer, you know, if you talk to business school kids, they go, well, you need to raise more capital. Yeah. Well, right. that, that means you got to sell some stock of your company. Right. And so here you're hardly even at the starting line and you're already starting to sell bits of your company away. Right. And believe me, as you go down the road, there's lots of reasons to raise money that that make a big difference later rather than... But again, you even put that very simple equation into perspective uh, when the NBA comes in and says, well, yeah, you need to raise capital, so sell some stock. Well, the stock that you sell for $50 today yeah. is worth $6,000 10 years from now. Yeah. And that's what you've really given away. And this is the perspective I'm talking about that's really useful. Yeah. For in in nine, the only money capital that we raised was in 1999. I mean, the real big. There's little bits here and there afterwards, but but it was 1.2 million or no, 600 thousand dollars I raised. We valued the company at 1.2 million at the time, and so basically, I sold half of the company for 600 thousand dollars. Wow. I mean, today that's a rounding error. Yeah. You know? Yeah. <laughs> it is. Right. I mean. It's wow. really, but you know, so when you, when you think about, ra- about, you know, raising equity money, it's the most expensive financing you'll ever, ever, ever do. Sure. So, so now Tony gives, I want to say some advice throughout the book, but most of the advice is given through examples of things that you've screwed up <laughs> and, and figured out how to do to better. Pre- I try not to preach. That's, that's and you stupid. I just wanted to say that here's how bad it can be if you're not careful. Well, or, and everybody or knows if you're like me, the anyway. successes already. Right. We're familiar with that, yeah. but nobody wants to hear that. They want to hear what didn't happen or what went wrong. They do. Right. And also, I've never read a book where you actually, where the author talks about even some of the shystery things that you got to do to stay alive. (laughs) And Tony does it. So I won't read, I'm going to read the part about the taxes. But before the paragraph that I'm going to read you, uh, Tony, it's this hilarious story about him opening enough bank accounts just to keep (laughs) money moving enough so that the IRS couldn't dock (laughs) his pay Mm -hmm. because he was... You were in such trouble in the beginning that you were behind on taxes. That's right. Here's a great piece of advice from Tony. I'm just going to read the paragraph. If you get in trouble with your taxes. During the third year of the income tax lateness, I got a little wiser. Here's what I learned about how how the IRS uh, does what it does. If you have a problem and you don't have the money that you owe on April 15th, file anyway. 45 days later, they're going to send you a letter demanding the dough. Take that letter and smoke it. Don't answer <laughs> If you do, you'll end up talking to a very menial 1-800-type attendant who will push a little button on their screen and start a sinister timer running. Uh, there will be no negotiating. Instead, if you can stand it, wait until you get the fifth letter around <laughs> September. It will come via certified mail. Answer that one right away. That letter will have a different phone number on it, and it rings to the Seattle office called the ACS, Automated Collection Service, but it's not automated at all. The hold music is Vivaldi, and it will drive you crazy. <laughs> Four Even- seasons. <laughs> uh, eventually, you'll speak to a person who can make deals. Not on the amount, but on the terms. Make them a promise, and then, by all means, keep it. If you can't keep it, call them the day before and tell them. They won't like it. But if you keep your end of the deal, which includes telling them before you're late, they'll keep their end of the deal, too. No more seizing bank accounts. 
If you don't want to wait for the fifth letter, call me. I kept the secret ACS number just in case. Wow. <laughs> that is <laughs> practical <laughs> advice. Yeah. And it's really yeah. just yeah. talking about, like, this was a real thing happening in your life, and oh, not yeah. everybody puts it in, a, in, in the written form. <clears throat> I, I'd, I'd, be sitting, I'd be sitting there. I can picture it right now. I'm sitting there at the counter in our kitchen. I'm sitting on the porch, where, you know, looking into the house, where it's, and it's kind of dark because the way things really. My wife's sitting in the living room watching television, and I'm listening to, you know, the Four Seasons. <laughs> <laughs> And for 45 minutes, waiting to talk to this one guy who would go, Hi, Tony. Wow. Because we got to know each other. Okay, yeah. Where's the money, T Dog? But you pay your obligations. The funny, the real truth of that, the real underlying message and all that is that honesty blows people away. And if you're really on top of it, I mean, I used to, I own the, I owed the glass company enormous amounts of money over terms, you know, six months over terms. But I would talk to that guy every couple months and I talk, I'd go in and make presentations about the business. He'd call, I answered every one of his calls. And sometimes the answer was like, I don't have it. And, yeah, and he'd right. say, well, what are you going to do? And, and I would say what I thought I could do. And if it turned out I couldn't do it, I'd call him back yeah. before it happened. Before. And, and, you know, it's a str- I mean, even just recently, you know, we, you know, we just we went through a giant bank, um, our, our, you know, 2008, nine kind of really upset our, our the little bank that we were working with out of Spokane. And they were great people, but eventually they got sold and that got sold again. And so the new bank didn't want to go any further. And we were in the middle of building the Chicago brewery. And so now we had to go through a bank review. We found a new bank. So we found a new bank. It's Chase Manhattan, J.P. Morgan. I mean, Big and, bank. And, and, and Wells Fargo, uh, you know, syndicating it. And we're about to. We're ju- this is just like last month. We're, we're about to sign our all the loan docs. I mean, things are going to close. And I mean, and we're, we're talking about like a hundred and fifty million dollar debt package. Oh. In, in addition to kind of refinancing our existing package, and um, uh, we, we we weren't going to meet our our twelve month projection numbers. And we realized because Chicago had opened a little bit late. And the question was, well, is this material? Our accountants are wringing their hands. Do, you know, do we have to tell them? I mean, is it, if it's a material event, we have to tell them. Well, how do we determine if this is material? I said, fuck, it's material. Tell them. Be honest. So, so we called up, and, and uh, the, the, the Wells, who's the lead finance, there's, there's one guy. They don't have a loan committee. There's one guy, and he's like, your stock just went through the roof here. Right. Thank you for calling. Let's for get, doing it. He said, why are you bothering us with this? <laughs> but thank you for calling. You know what I mean? Because it, it made a difference. You know? This so, is a good point. So this just is be ongoing. And, and it doesn't matter if we're small or, or like this is you know last month. It's great advice. It's just mind-blowing yeah. that the IRS also works that way. <laughs> yeah, they well, do. Well, you have to wait until it's certified mail. That's the thing. Yeah. If, you, if you call 1-800-IRS, yeah. right. you're in trouble. Oh, right. man. I mean, those well, are the money at all. that point, it's, it's collection agency, yeah. right? So right. it's yeah. the different. So they just want anything. Yeah. Right. Let's yeah. take whatever, they, whatever you can give them. Your first brewery, it cost you $5,000. Yep. Now you might pay that for a pump, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> at, yeah. The, at the new brewery. And that's yeah. cheap. Yeah. And that's, <laughs> there's a lot of stories... All right, this is the first interview I've done uh, since we've moved into our shiny new digs. And it is shiny. Where I wish we were still in the garage. Because I (laughs) I almost, like I'm a sellout talking to Tony, because he talks about the stories when things were a mess. That first $5,000 brewery, I didn't like you caused a power outage in the in the city you were oh, yeah. in because you didn't know what the hell you were doing with the thing. Yeah, yeah. There's Wait, all these seriously. Yeah. What, what well, the hell happened there? Well, something like the, the the brew house. The first brew house was all electric. I mean, it was built to be shipped to Russia where they don't have natural gas in the in the back countries, and then the order fell through. So I was able to buy it kind of inexpensively, and, but it was a hundred amp kettle. I mean, my whole house is a hundred amps. Yeah, you know? <laughs> but I, I didn't ground it. 
I, I didn't. What the? How do I know? But from grounding, I don't know anything from grounding. So, You're supposed to like stick a rod into yeah, the ground. Well, yeah, right? I, I literally well, ground it. I did, and, but when I first turned the kettle on, uh, the the uh, the the, uh, the elements on the bottom somehow had grounded to the chassis of the thing, and there's a contactor, this big kind of thing, is a sort of a fuse, and it was slamming back and forth. The lights in the building were going on and off, and all of a sudden, someone comes in from the street, say, "What's happening in here? The street lights are blinking." No way. <laughs> yeah. I, Wow! So from a safe distance with a two by four, I turned the breaker back off. You know, wow! <laughs> yeah, and put in a ground rod. But it's amazing that you were even able to get a brewery to start Lagunitas for five thousand bucks, right? Well, that was the that was the little brew house. Uh, but the whole thing was thirty all put together because the okay. refrigeration, some tanks. But the brew house. The, the, you know, the kettle mash ton and hot liquor thing, there were five, it was five grand. It was ridiculous. It but, was built in a container, like a container ship yeah. container. Uh, some guy just made these modular things. Yep, uh, yeah. A lot of Grundy John, tanks. John Cross, man. I mean, okay. dude, his brew houses are all over California, all over the country for that matter. Interesting. Yeah, he was, he was a wild man. A crazy guy out of Porterville, California. It's a fascinating story. I want to take a quick break. We're going to come back, and we're going to talk about some of the successes as well. We won't talk about all the failures, but the, I just think that you do a great job of uh, just laying it all on the line for us to learn from. And for me, in my case, I just got to relate to it because I was like, oh, man, I did a bunch of stupid things too. <laughs> it's, uh, it's good stuff. We're talking to Tony McGee. He's the uh, founder of Lagunitas Brewing Company, of course. We've got his beer on tap here at the Hop Grenade. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we'll talk about the beer and some of the successes at Lagunitas. Hang in there. It's the session. You're listening to the Brewcasters. The Brewcasters on the Brewing Network. As a brewer, you already don't settle for second best. You want great-tasting beer, and you want great equipment to make it with. So don't settle for the second-best grain mill. You want a Monster Mill from Monster Brewing Hardware. Monster Mills are tough, come in two- and three-roller designs, and are made right here in the USA from superior materials for longer-lasting performance. Pick the mill that's right for you at MonsterBrewingHardware.com and take Bevo's advice. Trust me, it's always better to have a bigger tool than you think you need. (laughs) Monster Mills have the best warranty in the business. Your satisfaction is guaranteed. Visit MonsterBrewingHardware.com now and check out all the mills and mill accessories. Don't settle for second best. Get a Monster Mill from Monster Brewing Hardware. Have you ever dreamed of attending the World Brewing Academy? This year, thanks to Lalamond and Anstar, one lucky brewer will make that dream a reality for free. Lalamond and Danstar invite you to enter the Beer School 2015 contest. One lucky grand prize winner will receive fully paid tuition to the 2015 World Brewing Academy web-based concise course in brewing technology worth almost $4,000. From now until December 13, 2014, every Danstar yeast packet you use is your ticket to enter. Visit danstaryeast.com for the details and to print your official entry form. There's no limit on the number of times you can enter, so get brewing with Danstar and get your entries in to the Danstar 2015 Beer School Contest. Whether you want to build your home brewing skills or build a career as a professional brewer, this course will change the way you think of beer and brewing. Enter at danstaryeast.com and get the dry yeast advantage with Danstar and Lalamond Premium Brewing Yeast and Enter to win. BN Army, I'm here to talk seriously for a second. 
You all are partially responsible for something explosive, and it's time you answer for it. Moonlight Meadery is exploding. Yeah, exploding across the country. Wait, they just landed in Australia with insane quality meads. With nearly 70 different varieties of meat on the market, Moonlight Meadery has blown up the meat category and completely reinvented it. Seriously? What? Seriously? What? You're paying money for that watered-down meat when you could have a Moonlight Mead? Moonlight Meads explode with quality and flavor. They're a party in a bottle. Did someone say party? If you want mead and want the best, you want meads from Moonlight Meadery and will accept nothing less. And now get 15% off by going to moonlightmeadery.com forward slash BNARMY and use coupon code BNARMY at checkout. Hey, sign me up for that party. A few things happened 30 years ago. ARPANET migrated to TCPIP, and the Internet was born. Revenge of the Jedi was renamed Return of the Jedi and opened in theaters. Mila Kunis and Emily Blunt were born, beginning a rad fantasy in my mind. But all of that pales next to the fact that HopTech opened its doors and began blowing homebrewers right out of their mash tuns. HopTech doesn't fuck around. Real people shipping awesome shit straight to you. Their new website is fast and easy to navigate. Or just call 800-379-4677 and let badass bitch Jade and the gadget guy Roberto blow their warm load of customer service all over you. So visit the site or Visit the store in Dublin, California, and support those that support you. Get your brewing on at hoptech.com. From the stovetop to a camp burner to some kind of brew stand, most homebrewers follow some version of this progression. With each move, a homebrewer will often have to change a lot, if not all, of their equipment. Until now, Blickman Engineering brings you the top-tier brewing stand, the only brewing stand that grows with you. For example, buy a top-tier floor-standing burner now, and it'll bolt right to your top-tier brewing stand when you're ready for all-grain brewing. The top-tier brewing stand is perfect for 5-gallon to 20-gallon batch sizes. Its modular design is adjustable and accommodates everything from small footprint coolers up to 30-gallon pots. How does the top-tier brewing stand do it? At its core is a strong, heat-treated, and anodized aluminum main post. On all four sides are built-in T-slots for the adjustable heavy-gauge stainless steel shelves and beefy burner tiers. The tiers accommodate any manufacturer's pots or coolers up to 21 inches in diameter. Best of all, not only does the top-tier brewing stand grow with your skills and equipment, but it easily knocks down for long-term storage or transport, too. The top-tier brewing stand from Blickman Engineering. Learn more at BlickmanEngineering.com and to find a local Blickman retailer and start brewing from the top tier. 888-401-BEER. It's time to talk beer and shoot bubblegum. And we're all out of gum. The session. All right, welcome back to the program. Thanks for hanging out with us. We got Tony McGee from Lagunitas in here, and uh, we're having a good time talking about uh, the history of Lagunitas, which you can get in the new book. If you so, you want to start a brewery, the Lagunitas story. Real quick, let me remind you about Beersmith Homebrewing Software. You can go to Beersmith.com right now and get your free 21-day trial. We all use it when we're brewing. Uh, it's a great piece of software, but you don't have to take our word because it's a, it's a free trial. So you, you, don't, you don't owe them a thing after 21 days, but you're going to love it. They have other things over there, too. Uh, Brad Smith, who runs the Beersmith uh, company, uh, also has a podcast. And he's teamed up with John Palmer for the new How to Brew All-Grain DVD series. So go check it out right now. You can learn to brew 
all grain. Tony, did you start uh, in Homeburg? Did you go right to all grain, or was there extract that you were brewing? What'd you do? All yeah, extract. You yeah. started extract on the stove, yeah. like the rest of us, right? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, start trying to get that damn shit out of the can. And- <laughs> Get it off your clothes. And, sure. Yeah. <laughs> were, were there more batches of home brew after those first two, or were you just a commercial brewer from then on? I, well, uh, I, I brewed one batch. It was great. The second batch sucked. Um, in, in the middle there, I decided I would pursue getting the brewery open, and, and once I decided that, I also realized I, I better learn how to make beer. Ah. So, <laughs> so I went. Uh, actually, Patty Geffen, who uh, who works the brewery, uh, for us now, he was up at uh, um, up at uh, the, the Beverage People, and uh, mm. went up and bought a three tier system from him. With, you know where, where he was cutting up Budweiser kegs back in the day still, and and uh, just started brewing like like you know two batches a day, th- you know three four days a week, just experimenting, you know with every, in it, with every parameter I could think of. So. I, I, in the book, you basically say you, you brewed like ten to twelve batches by the time you were, by the time you got your license to be a brewery. Yeah, is that about right? Well, it might, it might be more than that. Okay, yeah, I don't know if I, but but yeah, it was. But it was. I was brewing it was very I, short. Yeah, it was just months actually. Yeah. 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 Uh, so you yeah. say something in the book uh, that I think every entrepreneur and, and anybody starting anything, uh, when you start a company or you start some something challenging, uh, it can be very daunting. Uh, mostly because you learn all the things that you don't know. And I think you, you state very well in your book, I'm just going to read the paragraph, about what happens when you learn the things you don't know. And for me, I don't know, sometimes you, you stay in bed a little longer, uh, it's a little depressing, it's a little challenging, like it's hard to face those things. You end up thinking, how the hell am I going to do this? Um, you say, one of the interesting things about starting something when you don't know what you're doing is that you're constantly presented with very specific details that you have to master, uh, or you'll be consumed by them. They're the things you've never uh, heard of before that must quickly become second nature. Things like heat exchange ratios, uh, hemocytometers, commercial lease negotiations, basic fluid dynamics, workman's compensation insurance, trucking companies, payroll, taxes, uh, and cash flow statements. Uh, I don't know about anybody else, but the learning curve was simultaneously the most energizing and most exhausting part of growing Lagunitas. I can remember the gears beginning to grind while trying to grasp something complex uh, and unfamiliar at 3.45 on a Friday afternoon while the uptake of glucose in my brain emptied the last of its meager reserves. (laughs) (laughs) And And, and I was high, too. And you sort of talk about the moment where you're like... Shit, I, I don't even know. I just don't know. Yeah. And how many of those moments happen during the course of building something like Lagunitas? It's it's like, almost constant. Well, just this afternoon, as a matter of fact, there was. <laughs> yeah. No, it never ends. It never it never ends. It's it's yeah, it's exhausting. But but it's but it's the thing that keeps you alive in a, in a way. I mean, you you just keep firing your brain in ways that you didn't think you would when you got out of bed. It's like you, yeah. you go to bed richer, you know. And you can figure it out. You make a lot of references to music. And you kind of yeah. say, look, um, you know, I'm paraphrasing. You, you may never become Jimi Hendrix, but if you play the guitar right. long enough, you're going to learn to play the guitar. That's right. And I think it's just, you're, you're kind of saying the same about business. Um, That's right. That we shouldn't be too fearful and we shouldn't be too hard on ourselves. We should, you're going to figure it out. Right. And, 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 you know, one among some number will be, will end up Steve Jobs, you know. Yeah. Be brilliant. We'll, you know, one among some number will, you know, end up, you know, being Daniel Hewlett, you know, but David Hewlett. But, you know, it's like, Everybody, if they worked at that same level of hard, same level of diligence, willingness, willingness is a big word, you know, actually willing to cast yourself into those little voids that you have to f- learn to fill. Yeah. Um, it'll yield a business. It'll yield mm-hmm. a career, you know, and experiences. And, uh, you'll, you know, you'll buy groceries for your family and feed your kids. And Sure. 
Maybe even pay the tax man. You might even, <laughs> you will always pay the tax. <laughs> yeah, no matter what. Yeah. Let's talk about the beer a little bit. Uh, you wrote most of the recipes in the beginning, right? Yeah. The, those and some of those beers we still drink today. Yeah. Up, up the last one that I wrote uh, all myself is, was uh, was uh, the, the uh, undercover. Uh, ale. Undercover yeah. shutdown? Yeah. And you it, tell that story in the book. Yeah. That's, uh, well, that's, Save it for the book because that's a great one. Another formative moment. You yeah. Know, yeah. But, 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 but Jeremy Marshall, he's, you know, he, uh, he's, uh, he was uh, along with us then and he was kind of just, you know, one of the brewers, but I could tell a uh, very, very, very smart young guy. And, and, uh, but he, and he got the vocabulary and, and so he could, he could play in, he could play in the key that I liked playing in and he <laughs> understood what it was that, it, how the structures of the recipes. And then he took them a little further than I would have. And, you know, that was exciting actually to, you know, like I said, as a composer, you know, it's like I have an idea of what the music will sound like when I'm writing it down on the paper and I hear it in my head and I encode it on paper and I hand it to somebody else who then, when things go just right, they play it back better than what you were imagining. And, sure. And Jeremy's like that. So. He's a great tasty. You're friends with Jeremy as well. Certainly. Awesome brewer. Yeah, uh, and he's very creative. He's a brainy and, guy, too. And a screwball. And a screwball. <laughs> yeah, well, where's he get those shirts from? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And from Memphis, on top of all Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah, he's got a southern accent. Yeah. yeah. But uh, Cappuccino Stout, one of my favorite Lagunitas beer. That's yeah. one of your homebrew recipes from before the brewery opened, right? Yeah, yeah that was the that was the second uh, second recipe when, when I got the brewery open. And I think was pro- we may well have been. You know, failure is always an orphan, and success has a thousand fathers. But I think it, we might have been the first uh, coffee stout in the in the country back in 1994. I brewed it in the spring. How did you put we, the cappuccino we, in it back then in, in the homebrew recipe? Same as we do now, actually. You know, we just, uh, I mean, I, I just reasoned that we were, we were mashing with 170 degree water. Uh, you know, uh, I'm sorry, uh, mashing out with 170 degree water doing the runoff and, and 172 and, uh, that that was a great temperature to make a very very kind of earthy coffee without over extracting it. So I just sprayed the spread the coffee with a little uh, like fertilizer spreader on top of the uh, mash. And, okay, and we do something very similar to that right now. So, just sits right on top of the bed. Yeah, yeah. And so the the water goes through. It makes coffee. It, it, it then it runs it through the grain bed. Extracts all the oils. You know, kind of traps all that stuff, and you just get oh, coffee flavors coming out the bottom. I mean, there was another brewery, um, Heart Brewing, that became part of Pyramid later. That was making an espresso stout uh, out, of, out of Washington for a while, and they were using coffee syrup. You know, as was a Red Hook with the double black. Uh, oh, okay, yeah. You know, There's just coffee syrup added to a bright tank, so a little different mo. You know, sure. What, what about the IPA? Now, you, you answered Scott earlier that you didn't make that. Uh, that wasn't a homebrew recipe. No. But where did you get the recipe? Because it was a unique beer at the time. Well, it, what it was was just a, uh, we, we were making a, our pale ale at the time, and uh, it, was, it was an anniversary. It was, our, it was a, just a, the uh, it was a, December of the, in the second year of the brewery. We wanted to do an extra, uh, a little larger beer. And again, my friend Grant Johnston, he at Marin Brewing Company, you know Brendan Moylan's place. He would uh, he'd, he'd brew an IPA every year, you know, and it was a high gravity thing. It was crazy hoppy, and nobody liked it, you know, yeah. because it was. But today it would be like exceptionally, you know, popular, I'm sure. But uh, and so I said, well, yeah, I'll do an IPA, you know, just kind of following in Grant's footsteps in okay. that way. And uh, and so and, uh, we brewed that, and I just took the pale ale recipe and took every, all the inputs up thirty percent. And um, is that just Cascade hops and things like that? Or? In the day, there was all just the uh, just just the, the hops that were that old school hops. Then it was Cascade and Willamette, Centennial, and uh, Eroica was our was our favorite uh, bittering hop at the time. And that uh, that hop went away completely. But anyway, the thing is, she took the thirty the thirty percent and just scaled it up. Okay, uh, you know, thir- up thirty percent in the same batch size and brewed the beer. And when it was you know ten days old in the fermenter, I tasted it and I was like, 
you know, I could hear angels singing. <laughs> the heavens opened up and the, you know, the, the streamers came out and, and the hand of God said, go forth and make this beer. I just could tell that that was going to be what we would be doing forever after. So you, you, were still, you were still high on LSD then? Is that it? <laughs> I, I, I was coming down. I, I, was, I was on the back side. Yeah. When, when was the last time a major change happened, like changing from that no longer available bittering hop to the Lagunitas recipe? Well, the, 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 when, when the Roca, they... Uh, was, you know, this is Hop Union and their sort of their, their treatment of people at the time and ever since. But they just when your announcers, oh yeah, by the way, the farmer grubbed that field. We won't have any for you this year. Mm-hmm. It's like, well, didn't you know that in the spring? You know, thank you. For, <laughs> so we, so we, uh, we, we actually we in Anderson Valley were the last. There's one brewery in Oregon that were last ones using Aralka, and uh, um, people describe it as pine tar and nasty shit and stuff. And I, I thought it had a really interesting thing when you only used it as as a, as a bittering hop. And uh, so we moved over to Horizon. At the time, and um, but we did. We we bought the last six boxes of Aroca that existed and made a beer just Aroca with just all <laughs> the hops all and, the way through. And the little story on the side says something about this is like sta- you know drinking this beer is like standing in front of the cage of an endangered species at the zoo and reaching through the bars, pulling it out and eating it. <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah. Every drop you drink, closer to death. That's right. Was it any good? It was it was a very unusual beer, yeah. We, we kept it, it aged quite well, but it was it was pine tar and sap and all sorts of really interesting flavors. And now it'd be sexy, but back then people just wanted you know smooth malt flavors. I mean, you know, full sail amber, full sail golden, you know, Red Hook ESB, uh, you know, Widmere Hef. I mean, these were those were the flavors that people were looking for. And so, so Roca was it was a shot, you know, yeah. just like a lightning bolt. You know? Was it any good? Have you ever had Alaskan snow owl? It's <laughs> <laughs> fantastic. Yeah, really, in California. Condor, yeah. oh, which, a- which tastes a lot like marbled muralette. You'd be surprised. Oh, you put it in a taco, it's amazing. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's fantastic yeah. stuff. It takes the wild character out of it. They and, seem to have a... a go ahead, Tacey. Uh, uh, Tony, you, you told us about the uh, the birth uh, of the uh, IPA. How many uh, gallons or barrels did you sell of that beer in the second year? The, in the first year, we did uh, 300 barrels. The second year mm-hmm. was 600 barrels. So uh, I probably... but But... We weren't bottling the IPA until the fall of the second year. And so, okay, so you know, uh, I don't know, maybe 50 barrels. A little bit extra for that. Yeah. Well, yeah. How many did you uh, sell uh, last year of the IPA? <laughs> um, <laughs> well, that, last year the brewery total was five, 599,420 barrels. We did, of which 58% was, was IPA. Wow. 58%. Wow. Yeah. You know, Tony in the book it kind of plays plays down that he doesn't know what he's doing, and right. but he, then he spits out numbers like they're like exact that, numbers. Now he yeah. knows what he's doing. You know, right. I, I, I just made that up. <laughs> it's a whole five ninety nine and change. Actually, it was five ninety nine and four. It always ends at four twenty. Five ninety nine. That's weird. Fifty eight percent. That's a great number. Yeah, yeah that's, that's that is it, a great it is, beer. It is what we do for a living. You know, I buy a lot of that. Yeah. Well, thank thank you. You know, I buy Thanks. a lot of it at the grocery store, and I'm I'm able to get it for. Uh, in twelve packs, basically yeah. uh, seven dollars a uh, a six pack. Yeah, that's right. Not so many brands are able to do that. Is that is that uh, you know, you scaring know, anybody that you know? Of? Well, you know, you know, in Chicago, um, where where the industry is 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 sort of like where San Francisco was like ten years ago. Oh. If you know twelve, I mean, it is a ton of energy, piles of little breweries. I mean, all sorts of really great stuff happening. Bars enthusiastic, but it, but it, but it's sort of sort of a, a new time, you know, for the industry there and. Uh, I can't remember. What were you saying? Well, it's one about this price point thing. Oh, I don't yeah. see too yeah. many. And, and, so, and so because the breweries there are so small, mm-hmm. um, their costs are higher. Yeah. And so, the, you know, mo- the 
but things have changed now where when, when I did what I did had to do that, that where we weren't able to make any money because the price of beer was pretty much dictated to us because we were growing through the late 90s, yeah. which was a very, very tough time for the industry. And so we sold... So we sold our beer for the price that we could sell it for. Yeah, and whatever the market would beer. And, but, right. and we learned to make money at that price. And so now it's like I've never, we, our beer, we never sold our beer for more than we sell it for now. Mm. You know, this is like a high watermark for us. It's right. Very so you're exciting. passing the efficiency on to, to everybody. Yeah. So, but, but, but some people think on occasion, you know, that um, smaller breweries feel like, you know, we, we're, we're selling the beer inexpensively. But I just always have to tell them, it's like, we never sold it for less than this. You know, this yeah. is the most we've ever sold it for. Right. Sure. Cool. So. The Chicago Brewery's open now. Yeah. A new facility out there. Uh, and I think you're a pretty honest guy about your beer. Uh, how does the Lagunitas IPA taste coming out of Chicago compared to here, of course? You know, this, this is one of the, it was one of the biggest fears uh, and, and sort of one of the things that everybody thought would be small brewers wouldn't be able to do this, you know, have multiple locations because of flavor matching and stuff. And, uh, you know, again, in that sort of, you know, you can't connect the dots looking forward. It, what the way it turns out is that Lake Michigan is the most fabulous brewing water anywhere. As far oh, as I nice. can, I mean, when you think of all the breweries that are grouped around Lake Michigan, you know, watershed, mm-hmm. and, and certainly even you know down in St. Louis, I mean, that's really still Great Lakes water in addition to other drainage. But the thing is, is that um, we've been doing things to the water in California here for a long time, just coincidentally without knowing to make it more like Lake Michigan. I see. And so when we got there, it was we, we brewed one batch, and it actually tasted fine, but the oxygen content was high because some of the piping wasn't just you know, handled just right, and so we had to fix a couple things. That was the only batch we threw out uh, was that first batch. And the second batch, it just freaking tasted like the IPA. Fantastic. And, in fact, there's things that the Chicago Brewery has shown us about our recipes in the, in the circ- in, in presence of better water that have made us up our game, uh, huh. water handling in Petaluma. Okay. Are you guys feeling the crunch? Of, uh, I read some articles that you might be feeling the drought crunch up there in Petaluma. Is that is that true? Well, no, not not, not us. Um, okay. Petaluma, the Sonoma County Water um, uh, District, is, is, had, has adequate water, but it's you know it's not tons of water. But one of the things that's problematic is that they're drawing a lot of it from shallow wells, like forty foot deep wells, and uh, so there's organic material and there's metals and all sorts of things that are, that make it really kind of hard to brew with and, and hard to make good flavors. Uh, Bear Republic further north in Cloverdale, it's a whole different watershed. Okay, and, and so they're, they they have material problems that are that are hard to work around. Okay, uh, but uh, but are you having to strip the water down completely now that it's from these wells? Or no, we don't we don't okay. do RO on it, but we but we do carbon and a little bit of little bit extra filtration uh, through through a couple other methods to just to get the water in nicer condition to get it closer again to Lake Michigan. Okay, know? got it. So yeah, so so the the beers that are coming out of Chicago. I mean, I don't want to brag because it was just happenstance, but it's mm-hmm. like one of those great lucky things. You sure, know? the beers are just they've been great coming out of that brewery. What do you think about expansion in? In general, I mean, I think obviously, first of all, you're one of the, you're the fastest growing brewery in America. I think I've read wow. uh, several times over. Yeah, depends if you look at barrels or if you look at percentages and stuff. But even in percentages or barrels, you know, it's us and I think New Boston beer. Are, are, Boston beer, okay. Yeah. But that's pretty good company. <laughs> Did you ever go? You know what? We're we're doing okay. I, I like my life. Uh, the employees seem happy. Maybe we don't have to keep expanding at this rate. You know. You know. I, the the global beer business, the whole of the global beer business, is being handed over to another generation of brewers. And the place that this this change began was Northern California. 
uh, and, and Oregon and Washington, to be honest. I mean, to be okay. fair. Yeah. But, but that region, this cultural region, uh, uh, and, you know, our, uh, our hop dealer uh, out of Yakima, uh, Washington, they, uh, um, they told us that they're sending uh, uh, half, two years ago half a million pounds of Simcoe to the EU. I was like, wow. And, <laughs> yeah. and they said, yeah, but this year we're sending a million pounds. Wow. And, and, you know, Simcoe is like an AR-15. You only buy it for one reason. Uh, and, that's to, and, and so, so, right. so there's European – so breweries all over the world now are working hard to emulate the things that we've been doing in Northern California and across the country and now these days, you know. Um, so you, the U.S. beer business is changing the global beer business. And it's, the interesting thing is like it's sort of the – you know, the student becomes the master because we all studied European styles yeah, know, to begin yeah. with and now we've found something new in those styles and we're selling you know and we're exporting those ideas back to them okay so 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 with the with that the about growth to get back to that it's like i just want to i got to know yeah. what's gonna happen. what's gonna happen i want i want to be there when it happens and i want to be am, among the breweries that gets to see this change and it's and i don't have kids you know so that kind of changes things uh what am i saving for juniors you know graduation uh you know I, I, the, the brewery is junior you know? Right. It's your baby. Yeah. And uh, so I'm hoping that after I'm long gone, someone says my name. Now you got twins. Uh, you mentioned that uh, we mentioned and talked a little bit about Jeremy Marshall. Does he have a counterpart in uh, Chicago? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Mary Bauer. Yeah. Oh, Mary. Okay. Yeah. Mary's wonderful. She, yeah, she, oh, she, she she's uh, spent a lot. She's a biology uh, uh, as, a, as a, uh, a college student, but she, was, uh, she ended up being a, um, a relief brewmaster for Anheuser-Busch for a time. Oh. And so she would go when the guy would go on vacation. So, yeah, it's just wonderful. <laughs> having, yeah. It's great having a woman running, you know, what's one of the largest craft breweries in the country. You know? And Mary is, she's such a freaking rock star. Well, Jeremy you know? speaks highly of her. Right? Yeah, they, yeah they, they're very simpatico. Yeah. I see. Cool. Well, Who has better hair? Good question. Thank you very much. You know, Mary would say Jeremy has better hair. <laughs> Jeremy looks like a conditioner. <laughs> conditioner kind of guy? Yes. Leave-in, maybe? He Leave always in. smells Oh, for good. sure. There's a treatment. And he always smells good, too, right? And, 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 yeah, well, that's a little too much. Good. And, and Mary, Mary's, very, Mary's very humble. She's, she's, so, she's so sweet and so strong at the same time. And she'll talk a lot like this, you know, like she's from Wisconsin or oh, something. Beautiful. You know, and yeah. it's like those dolls oh, and, you know, she wants to make me a sandwich every time <laughs> I see her. It's fun. Episode of Fargo every time you go to... Precisely, yep. I want to go see the brewery really bad. The, the Chicago Brewery is epic. I mean, it's a 300,000-square-foot building, which is it's just a big cube. It's uh, six <laughs> acres under roof wow, uh, wow. with 57-foot with ceilings. So and you're I, way over capacity there, too, right? Like, you can grow quite a bit. That'll be a million barrels wow. of capacity wow. before it's built out. Wow. So then are all the tanks inside with oh. 57? Yeah. Yeah, the, the okay. 750-barrel uh, fermenters are 40, 46 feet tall. Okay. So, yeah, they, right to the ceiling. Did you do that to avoid having to deal with... Changing over to heating the tanks in the winter. Well, you know, I, I looked at Ice Bach. I looked yeah, at right. I looked All at tw- I looked at I only looked at twenty buildings. I went there. I called one realtor. I looked at twenty buildings. None of them were okay. He says, "Well, there's one more building," and we went to that one. And okay. <laughs> you're was, like, I don't yeah. need to see it. I'll just take it because the other nineteen didn't work. Yeah, right. but but I walked into it, and the thing is like an aircraft hangar. You could pull seven, you know, forty seven, three of them in there with the tail. Wow, uh, because, you know, wow. get it inside the building. So it, it was just sitting there waiting to become a brewery. And, and you've got I, a big yeah. tasting room and everything else there too. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. And this tasting room is like twenty five feet up in, in, in sort of a little building we built in the center of the building. So you're always looking out on the brewery all around you through all this glass and stuff. And yeah. and when you're inside the tap room, you're in a building inside of a building. And so you never have any idea what's going on in the real world. It's almost as if we built a little city inside of a building. (laughs) So I I hope you all get to come just just because it's cool. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. So with all this growth and and the expansion, uh, 
you know, you're still working hard just like you were back when you, when you started. And work-life balance, uh, it's a big topic for me. And maybe it's a big topic for everybody, I guess, and it, and it comes up in the book. But you give a different perspective about this work-life thing. I, you know, the new thing to say is you've got to separate these things and, and don't work too hard and, and all these things. But you actually say uh, if we were all still hunter-gatherers, the idea of personal time would be synonymous with starvation. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> and you really link the brewery as, in fact, you've said it, you don't have kids. It's, it's kind of, it's one of your kids. Uh, you do link your life with the brewery. You don't make this hard separation between work and and the rest of your life. No, no, no not at all. It seems to but, be but, well you know, for you, but it's hard to. You know what? What if I was a musician? I mean, where would that? Where would you draw the line? Then? You know, sure. I come home and like, put put my guitar away, put my saxophone away. You know, it's like no, no, I'm going to be mom. I mean, you know, it's like you would always be a musician. You know. Yeah. And so, so the the idea of uniting the two, I, I, the way I write it in the book, is like you know, you can, you know, some people want to have half their life be you know work and the other half be personal, so that they can really kind of indulge in the things they think are important. But what you end up with, I think, in the end, is half a career and much worse. You end up with half a life. Mm-hmm. And so the optimal circumstance, and not everybody can get to the optimal circumstance. Sure. Because of all sorts of constraints and obligations and things that develop around you, but if you can, the optimal is to have it all be one life, and you, then you just stop thinking about work. Get the full of both. Yeah, you just don't think about it as work. Yeah. You know, yeah. I, I don't wake up on Monday morning and feel like oh, it's Monday because Sunday was just like Monday. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> this is why he's my hero, gentlemen. Right. Yeah. <laughs> it's a uh, it's it's a great philosophy, and and obviously because you love what you do, it's a challenge for you every day, but it's a challenge that you love. Yeah. That's a fact, yeah. The fact that you're succeeding doesn't hurt either. I mean, if you were failing, you maybe you wouldn't feel the same. Well, when I was failing, <laughs> I still I showed up in the same way. I mean, we talked about that earlier, you know? Yeah. Because I mean, failure is success. I mean, you know, success is overrated. I mean, it's, it's funny how things, you know, kind of become problematic in a different way when things start going well. Sure. You know, so it, it, everything has a set of challenges. Do you have a beer that you guys have put out that you thought, well, this is a ridiculous stab in the dark, uh, but turned out to be great? Anything like that? Uh, the IPA, obviously, was the first one. but Well, brown sugar. Brown sugar, okay. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that beer was a, it, it, the story's kind of known, but it was a screwed up barley wine recipe. And and I, I, I the brewers called me, hey, the gravity didn't turn out. I'm like, well, how much pale malt did you put in there? Like 200 pounds? I'm like, oh my God, what did I do? And I, I said, hang on. I called him back. I said, you know, Go buy all the brown sugar you can find in, in, in all of Petaluma. And they bought 200 boxes of one, one pound CNH brown sugar. <laughs> and, and I come in Monday morning and these boxes are all over the floor. You know, they, they got, they, they did finish the brew, but they never cleaned it up. And, uh, and, and the beer tasted terrible. And I was uh, like, oh God, I'm broke. I just spent all this money on sugar. <laughs> I should have just told them to shut the thing down and go home, you know. And the beer tasted terrible. And it tasted terrible. And like uh, two weeks into it, like the like the fifteenth day, I came in with next morning and it was like it developed this bourbon like note. Nice, that, like whatever all the garbage that was, and it still does that when you taste it during fermentation. It's the worst thing you ever tasted. Oh, really? You, you no 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 sign of the beer that it would become, and all all of a sudden it happens like over the course of about twenty four hours, the yeast clean up the last of something, and it just becomes gorgeous. And so I was a huge proponent of brown sugar back when I first got into craft beer. Mm-hmm. Because uh, my claim always to my friends, you guys, you got to buy a six pack of this beer, was because I felt like it got me high at the same time that it got me (laughs) drunk. And I don't know if it was just the high alcohol content or what it was, but I'd have a couple bottles and I'd go, I am high as a kite right now. It's like beer with gasoline. Yeah, it's fantastic. Every every year about this time, sooner or later it'll happen, we we, we get a call, uh, always from one guy, often from a few. Dude, I, I was drinking your brown sugar last night, you know, and like... 
the weirdest thing happened. <laughs> yeah. And sure, I and ripped then, a couple of bong loads, but I'm telling you it was the beer. But dot, 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 and then the rest of the story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. every year. And then, uh, I mean, for me, I was at one. We we had a brewery party once at a place called the Phoenix in Petaluma, and, and uh, the party was going along great. And about nine o'clock, we brought out one keg of brown sugar that we've been aging, and and it, it emptied in like twenty five minutes. And within an hour, the bands were all fighting backstage. <laughs> uh, Prime Primus was one of the bands that was gonna play, and they they left. Oh and, no! And, and this is before Primus was you know was really the Primus that became. And, and and the next thing I know, I see somebody making out with my niece, and I go over and I grab the guy, somebody grabs me and they knock my glasses off and the guy that owns the Phoenix is taking me out of the building after I slugged the guy and I woke up in Garberville. I mean, and I don't know how yeah. I got there. Brown sugar, ladies and gentlemen. Wow. An, by the way, it's on tap right now at the Hop Grenade. Uh, we've got it out here. Uh, be careful. Be careful. Now, brown sugar led to, or at least the lack thereof, led to Lagunita Sucks, right? Was is, uh, Yeah, that's right, yeah. Yeah, brown sugar is a very hard time-consuming beer to make. And so, you know, instead of brewing eight batches a day, all of a sudden you can brew four batches a day. It doesn't sit in the tank for two weeks. It sits there for three weeks. And we were so so behind on, on orders that I, I, if we made started making brown sugar, it would have crushed everything. And we, we was we, while we were waiting to get Chicago online. And, um, uh, no, we're waiting to get the 250-barrel brew house in Petaluma online. The new and, one there, okay. And so we, we thought about it for a little bit. It's like, well, we should allocate brown sugar. It's like, no, everyone's going to say we suck. This is going to be a drag, you know. But I've been driving into Petaluma for a decade. And, you know, coming in out of Point Reyes, there's not many, so many people live out there. And there's one car that had a Primus sticker on the bumper sticker, and it was Primus Sucks. Okay. And I looked at that bumper sticker for a decade going, fuck, I want to make, I want Lagunita Sucks, man. That's, <laughs> that's, that takes so much nerve to yes. do that, you know. And, and I was always afraid it would stick. <laughs> so I, right. I didn't do it. And then when we, finally we couldn't make the brown sugar and I thought people were going to say we suck. I'm like, that's it. Now's the we, time. We, we make Lagunita sucks. So, and now you so. put it on your trucks and everything. Oh, yeah. And, you know, I, I used to sit at home on Sundays and do my focus group work by just Googling Lagunitas. Uh, on, uh, just look at, uh, and I put a Lagunitas asshole, Lagunita sucks. <laughs> I hate Lagunitas. Just to see what, what the negative things that would be. And, and used to be nobody ever said Lagunita sucks. Those okay. words wouldn't appear in Google. Now it's like. 25, 30 pages. Oh, no. So you were right in the sense that it would stick. That's right. But that's all right. That's right. Well, now your fan base is enough that most of us get it, right? You put out Lagunita Sucks and we go, oh, I got to have that. Yeah. There's a, there's a Teddy's Liquors in Chicago that for, for the longest time he left up on, the, on, on his marquee on, on the street, Lagunita Sucks, nice. $6.99 or $7.99. <laughs> yeah. I was like, yes. Yeah, that's beautiful. <laughs> well, you guys have had a great run. Uh, I'm sorry it's over now. Uh, <laughs> this, this is a face on Time Magazine moment. Yeah. 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 Well, he's selling out to AB. You didn't know? <laughs> no. Yeah. Can I ask you about Jim Cook at all? Sure. Uh, uh, you've, uh, there's been a little bit of media uh, tweets from you in particular that, that maybe uh, the Boston Beer Company doesn't play fair in the marketplace. And, and let me just add to that. I've heard a lot of things from other breweries that it's not just Boston beer, that it's becoming a little more commonplace in craft beer even, that some of the bigger guys aren't, aren't playing fair or, or legally anymore. Yeah. Is this your experience in general? Well, you know, things are heating up. I mean, you know, the, everyone's excited about so many new breweries coming in, and, and it is exciting. And they're, doing, they're making beers that might not have been made had they not entered the market. So this is a time of birth, you know. Yeah. But the truth is, yeah, for, for the, there's a lot of pressure, and and people react to pressure in different ways. And you know, um, you know, the thing with Boston beer was uh, was over Rebel IPA, and that you know we learned sort of through kind of a distributor network of conversations of shared you know distributors that they they intended on the East Coast to begin 
the rollout by replacing our handles everywhere they could. And, I see. And I, I just thought that that was, was wrong. I mean, it's kind of, you know, it's one thing. Put it on next to ours. And, and that, there you go. Now the consumer could decide what they'd like to have, you know. Sure. But so that, that was – some people thought I, I was just upset because they're making an IPA. It had nothing to do with it. it was that wouldn't just, make much sense. No. no they made all kinds crazy. of beers. Why not that one? Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Right. Yeah. Why not? I mean, who knows? Maybe they're going to make something thrilling and then I'll have to up my game. I mean, right. so it's all, you know. Well, let me ask you this, Tony. What did you want uh, – who were they going to go after if not you? I mean, well, you have more handles than anybody else probably in their territory. Right? It, as far as I can tell, there are still Budweiser, Miller, Coors, and Heineken. <laughs> yeah. Who? I'm talking about IPA now. Yeah. So if they, I mean, you could, you know, randomly go to places and take off their only IPA they've got and, and get a lot of your handles because yeah. you have a lot. Yeah. Well, but but the, but the focus was just on us. And, you know, and so, so here's the thing. It's like, this is just my opinion. Was that a good idea or not? Who the, who the hell knows? I mean, it's just my judgment. Of, but, I, but I had a feeling that, that, beer, that beer lovers would, wouldn't think that that was Hoyle, you sure, know? they yeah. wouldn't, and and, 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 and so I just wanted to put it out there that, sure. that this is, is and, and very quickly, that that marketing plan changed, and we we'd hear from retailers that their sales might go out, and they'd say, well, "We want to get our IPA on," you know, okay, and, and they would just they just went and they did business, and that was a great outcome. It was it was wonderful, you know. Do you, you think sometimes that's and, and he, versus he, the salesman going out and saying? Uh, we we're, we're we'll better than that, that beer. Time. We want to replace it. They, they, well, what does it taste like? What well, tastes like Lagunitas? Why, oh, you've, you've had that on for a while. Why don't you try this one instead? I see. So you know, but but and, and you asked me about Jim Cook. You know, I'm not sure Jim Cook had anything to do with that. You know, it's a big no. enough organization that there's marketing. There's lots of incentives for people at every level. At every level to want to no. sell right, yeah. and and sometimes you know, I mean, sometimes my people will make decisions that aren't exactly what I would have made. And yeah. what if I find out it's like, oh my God, what, you're it's doing, not the way you, we roll. You're doing that in my in my name. I yeah. mean, you know, or at least in some circles of thinking, you know. So, so do you think that we, we we maybe turned a corner in craft beer that now instead of everybody being in friendly competition, that now maybe you have to fight for shelf space and handles that that this will become more prevalent, uh, us seeing you guys competing rather than all being friendly brothers like it's like we've been told. You know when there's lots of open field running it's really easy to be friends, and everyone gets along. That's a great thing. So, but here's another way to look at it. Um, I said things are heating up. I don't think they need to heat up. Here, here's a visual. This is how I see the craft beer industry. Imagine the surface of a balloon is is the beer market, and the area of the surface of the balloon represents the volume of craft beer sold. So, the, but the thing is, this balloon's inflating, and there's two R, R, there's two geometric factors, two you know two squared factors in calculating the surface area of a sphere, and so that that grows the area grows very fast relative to the diameter change. So you could have two players standing on the surface of the sphere and decide they hate each other and they, they're going to kill each other. And both of them could declare, you know, in, you know, incontrovertible war on each other, run towards each other with all of the hatred imaginable, and probably never reach each other. Okay. Because they're moving apart so fast because the surface area is expanding that quickly. And, 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 do, and that's a mistake. And in, in doing that, you're missing all of the opportunities that were otherwise emerging all around you. And I don't know if that. If that it makes that, Yeah. It absolutely makes sense. It actually just makes me think that. Don't listen to the book. Of all the times that Tony right. McGee calls himself an idiot in the book, yeah. the man knows what he's talking about. Uh, and but how did they get on it's the? It's a great perspective. How did they get on the balloon? It was <laughs> a, a sharpie. Who's blowing up the balloon? That's what I want to know. It had to be a big. These balloon. are the real questions. Yeah. Yeah. 
That's fucking crazy. Yeah. It's blue, uh, it's blue JP's mind. He's going to go do LSD for 30 days yeah, and again. try to solve this problem. Yeah. Because <laughs> the last 30 days. It, it might take 30. Yeah. <laughs> it might. It'll take a lot longer. Be patient with yourself. I <laughs> if it takes 45, stick with it. That's I will. Thank you. Buy another sheet. Yeah. The book is So You Want to Start a Brewery. It's by Tony McGee. Uh, you can get it on Amazon. I know that. Any other place you want to plug to get it? Or, or just... the, the brewery site. You know, you oh, you get it at the brewery as well. Yeah. By the way, the gift shop at the brewery is, is awesome. Oh, yeah. You can get all sorts of... I never yeah. leave there without, like, I have a dog leash. I don't even have a dog anymore. Uh, uh, <laughs> a patent one. Bottle cap mag. Like, yeah. You guys have everything in that gift shop yeah. now. Plus, you do concerts there. Yeah, yeah. We had an amphitheater, the Lager Mini Amphitheaterette. It's yep. awesome. Yeah. That's really cool. I mean, Lou Harris has played there. Is that right? Yeah. That's great. How do you get hooked up with big gigs, uh, acts like that? We called her. You just asked. And it turns out she loves dogs and loves dog events and loves. And she came out for uh, for free. We paid her travel expenses and she played, and all the money went to a uh, rocket dog rescue. Awesome. Oh yeah, rocket well, dog. Sure. Yeah. It was it, cool stuff. You know. You must get this question all the time, but but whose whose dog is on the label of the Dogtown? Well, it's my. It was a childhood dog. Uh, was it a pit? I, well, it was a terrier. We, we yeah. loved it. It lived to be 33 years old, and uh, I, I have it stuffed on my desk right now. It's beautiful. No, I, I got it out of the clip art book. Lived to be 33 years old. <laughs> 30, you did. Yeah. You just took it. The clip yeah. art book, yeah. That's fantastic. Great backstory, though. Yeah. Although it's a lot. It, 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 it was a terrier. <laughs> uh, Bevo's holding a post that this is too soon. Uh, yeah, Bevo just killed her dog last week. So, uh, oh, it died, I thought it died on its own. Oh, yeah. right. She didn't she, have to put she it She tried, but it quit before she could quit before she got there yeah when she Uh, tries to leave sam the same thing will happen that surprises me uh with all of the sort of personal stories out of lagunitas that uh, it's a clip art dog well the the first two the first two beers were bugtown stout and dogtown pale ale they're two extinct west marin railroad stops and the bug was like this weird orange yellow roach and if people liked the bug better, there'd be a bug on every one of the labels. But okay. they like the dog better. Everyone so. likes dogs, yeah. That was, that was the simple genesis. Of bug time pale. Do you still design all the labels, the new beers yeah. that come out? Yep. You yep. do? Still do them, yep. And you still don't know any more than you did back then with the box and the typeface? I, I figured out a couple of tricks, actually. Yeah. <laughs> I've got some, developed well, some it's skills. Not, it's not the pictures. It's the copy you write. That, uh, <laughs> well, that's all, true. Yeah, that's that's everything, you know. I hope so. I, it's I, just wonderful. I love that stuff. A little it's story amazing. with every beer. You, you, ever, you ever remember the old Jay Peterman catalogs? And was, Seinfeld <laughs> made a big joke out of it. But, yeah. but there would be this crazy story about a coat yeah. and somebody in Tangiers, and there's hostage negotiations in the other room. And, and then delicious the, coffee. Had nothing to do with the right. coat, you know? Yeah. Coat was subject, you know, and so yeah. the, that's the way I do with the beer. So. That's fantastic. MS Paint, that's all you need to, that's all you need, folks. <laughs> uh, to create a, a brand like Lagunitas. That's I've based my graphic design on MS Paint. <laughs> MS Paint and a Lagunitas dog. At least there's no Comic Sans. That's true. No, I use Comic Sans. I, I do. I know. It's papyrus, too. It's embarrassing. <laughs> you did know the printing world, though. I mean, this was this oh, yeah. what founded Lagunitas, basically. That's right, yeah. The, that yeah there's beer. a lot of printing in beer, too. Again, you know, you think about oh, it, yeah. that, that whole career was fabulous training. Nobody, I, I bet printing like nobody's business. You yeah, know? I bet. And the salesman starts talking shit to me. And I'm like, no luck, dude. Yeah. I wrote the book on what you're doing. So, you know, like, this, this. <laughs> I can do this. Uh, one of our friends here. That's Michael. There's here. You mean? Yes. Is this about him? I'm Jay Peter. <laughs> yeah. One of our friends here at uh, the Hop Grenade, uh, Win. Is a new uh, brewer of yours. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's uh, right. That's right. Yeah. Uh, a friend of ours here, and he comes back one day, and he goes, hey, I got the gig at Lagunitas. Uh, we were happy for him, and I said, did you have to smoke weed to get the job? 
he wouldn't answer. <laughs> he was, he was we, too high we, to answer. <laughs> He's like, what were we talking about? We, we have a very strict drug, drug testing policy, actually. You know, you, 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 know, you, you have to try it. <laughs> if you, you pass the drug test, you can't get the job. You don't have to have it twice, but you have to test, you have to test it once. Yeah. Peer pressure is alive and well. See if it yeah. works for you. you know, yeah, peer pressure would be twice. Once, that's Maybe. fine. Well, it's a mild suggestion. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All right. It's, uh, so you want to start a brewery, Tony McGee, go check it out. Uh, Tony, if you're, if you're up for it, please stick around with us. Yep. I'm going to take a break. We're going to do beer news when we get back, and uh, hopefully there's some, some good things for you to give your perspective on. Um, we love this brewery. We've loved you guys for a long time. Uh, it's good to have friends. Uh, Thanks. Tasty spends every weekend there, I think. Right, Tasty? About, well, I get up there is for it about a that? Yeah, sure. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, thanks for being on the show. Thank you for inviting me. Uh, stick with us, and uh, we're going to take a quick break. Uh, when we come back, uh, more from Tony, if he, if he hangs out. So we're going to do some beer news. Uh, we've got our Twitter game to wrap up, and uh, lots more. Hang in there. It's the session. We'll be right back. You're listening to the Brewcasters on the Brewing Network. Williams Brewing is your online resource for prompt delivery of quality home brewing supplies. Since 1979, Williams Brewing has offered the finest equipment and the freshest ingredients, backed by the best customer service in the business. Do you like to mash using efficient fly sparging, but would like an easy way to heat your strike and sparge water? Enter the new Brewer's Edge Electric Mash Water Heater, a plug-in, anywhere, precisely controlled heater for strike and sparge water. Ditch the fumes and second burner and make mashing easy. Go to williamsbrewing.com today and browse their vast selection. That's williamsbrewing.com. Orders placed by 4 p.m. Pacific time weekdays ship the same day. Brewing is easy the Williams way. When I order a beer, I want my server to know more about it than I do. I want someone who enjoys good beer and loves helping others enjoy it, too. I want someone who knows how to pour a perfect pint for every beer style. I want a Cicerone. The Cicerone Certification Program is creating the type of people who help you enjoy great beer. Home brewers and craft beer lovers know beer is more flavorful and complex than ever, and it takes some serious knowledge to store and serve beer right. Cicerone's no beer. There are three levels in the Cicerone Program. Certified Beer Server, Certified Cicerone, and Master Cicerone. Cicerone's are truly the sommeliers of beer. The best beer locations have a certified Cicerone on staff. Relaxed and unpretentious. Cicerone's are tested on storing and serving beer, beer styles, flavor and tasting, the brewing process and ingredients, and pairing food with beer. Learn more about your next beer guide at Cicerone.org. Certified Cicerone, because it takes top talent to present a perfect pint. Do you know the three most important rules in brewing? Sanitation, sanitation, and sanitation. And no one does it better than Five Star Chemicals. Five Star knows sanitation. You can only sanitize clean equipment. And Five Star knows how to clean, too. For craft brewers and home brewers, Five Star has what you need to keep your fermenters, serving tanks, kegs and draft lines sparkling and free of any beer-spoiling bacteria. PBW, caustic, acid cleaners, star sand, 
Sand, Santa Clean, Lubricants and Defoamers, pH Stabilizers, and more. Five Star Chemicals has cleaning supplies, safety supplies, heat exchangers, pumps, hoses, and valves. And Five Star is proud to offer eco-friendly products that exceed customer expectations. If you have a cleaning problem, you need the Five Star Solution. Visit FiveStarChemicals.com or call 800-782-7019. 800-782-7019. And get the Five Star Treatment today. Starting a brewery is not for the faint of heart. Uh, it's definitely a labor of love. If you're not going to give it 100%, don't bother. Brewers Publications is proud to present the Brewers Association Guide to Starting Your Own Brewery by Elysian Brewing's Dick Cantwell. Business plans, financing, sustainability, and more. This book takes you through the planning and execution needed to turn the dream of craft brewing into a reality. Whether you want to open a brew pub or a packaging brewery, learn the professional side of ingredients, wastewater, quality, and how to build the craft brewery of the future. The Brewers Association Guide to Starting Your Own Brewery, available now from Brewers Publications and BrewersPublications.com. Adventures in Homebrewing have the knowledge and expertise to craft their own gear and original recipes. Some of the things Homebrewing.org creates and manufactures in-house are the Brutus brew stands and propane burners, the serial killer adjustable two-roller grain mill with seven-pound hopper, custom stainless steel false bottoms designed to fit kegels, coolers, and mini-sized brew pots. And the BN Army receives 10% off their Homebrewing.org orders when they use coupon code AIH10 at checkout. The Brewers at Adventures in Homebrewing have designed a huge selection of original recipes for extract and all-grain brewing. Adventures in Homebrewing original recipes are tried and tested, proven to be of the best quality. And right now, Adventures in Homebrewing is shipping 24 of their best recipes for free. Visit homebrewing.org for the most current selection. Once you try one of Adventures in Homebrewing recipes, you'll keep coming back for more. And now, it's even easier with free shipping on these kits. And don't forget to use the current coupon code AIH10. Adventures in Homebrewing at Homebrewing. Brewing.org. You're listening to the Brewing Network. Because like beer, radio shouldn't suck. Yeah, welcome back. We're hanging out with Tony McGee here from uh, Lagunitas Brewing Company. Up in Petaluma now. Started in Lagunitas though, didn't you? Yes. There's still a town called Lagunitas? There is. You know what I miss every year that, that Tasty goes to, and I, I have not made it yet, is Lagunitas Circus. No. Ah, the beer circus is quite the, a thing. The beer circus. You guys go crazy for that. Yeah. yeah. Sword swallowers. Yeah, yeah. Got a guy with a stump. <laughs> we, got chlor- we got chlorophiliacs. It's crazy. Human detritus. You do it right there at the brewery? Uh, yeah. Yep. Yep. Right there on the grounds. It's pretty cool. It's, it's totally like just an adult. You know, kind of freak show circus. Yeah, it's fun with and beer, with extraordinary the vod- and the and the Vodevere, uh circus troupe does the acrobatics and stuff. It's spectacular. It's I mean, great. You do it all just on the brewery property. Yep. Yeah. Yep. We do one in Chicago too. Oh, you do. Yeah. Nice. That's <laughs> the first thing they exported. Is <laughs> the circus? <laughs> Not in the couch, isn't it? It was too good to let it go. Yeah. How long has the Chicago brewery been open? 
Since uh, first uh, bottling day was June this last summer. June, okay. Yep. So you've done one circus there so far? Or yep, yep. Yeah, okay. yeah, we did the circus before it was fully open. <laughs> oh, nice. Yeah, why not? little introduction, yeah. Actually, I think I, I, I jumped on a plane once. I was going to uh, Denver or something, and, and Ron was on the plane on his way either to the grand opening party or to the circus or something. Small and world. He yeah. tried to convince me just to stay on the plane. I was getting off at his stopover. <laughs> I was like, I wish I could, Ron, but... Uh, he said, all right, well, so you don't, you don't know how to party. I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> you guys know how to party at Lagunitas, though. Try it's, to have fun. It's part of the culture, right? Just want to have fun, you know? Yeah. And make friends and just try to have a good time doing it. What's the point otherwise? It's life. Yeah. That's what beer's for. That is what you know? beer's for. That's right. And you were always into, you even admit in the book, uh, high alcohol beer. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And you don't really say why, like just that you like to get drunk. You don't say that. You just, you like the flavor. or Why the high alcohol beer from the beginning? Well, you know, it's, it's simple. It's, it's that more ingredients yield more alcohol, but they're, they also yield a lot more flavor. Yeah, okay. And so if you want flavor, yeah, alcohol is one of them. Sure. I mean, it really wasn't about trying to you know, make a drunky yeah. sort of beer. It was about creating a certain set of flavors that were fascinating. Sure. And then, of course, the byproduct is okay. <laughs> right. There's alcohol. Yeah. That's, right. <laughs> That's right. All right. So we got to get to some beer news, I think, right? You got beer news ready for us, Moscow? Yes, sir. All right. Beer news is brought to you today by our good friends over at White Labs Yeast Company. And I don't know if you guys noticed uh, the announcement this week, but White Labs opened up a new uh, production facility in Asheville, North Carolina. That's right. Everybody but Lagunitas appears to be opening something in Asheville, North Carolina. Lagunitas chose Chicago (laughs) instead. (laughs) But, uh, yeah, White Labs is uh, putting together a production facility and a tasting room like they have in San Diego. And I think even... Uh, they'll have some food available. They're doing a whole thing out in Asheville. And uh, now you can get your yeast fresh all over the country because they got two locations, uh, which was the big impetus for the Chicago uh, location, too, right, was uh, cheaper shipping of, of fresh beer, right? It was just about fresh beer. Yeah. And so the beer, you know, is made there. Well, I mean, you know, it, it happened to be the case that you could uh, trade freight for bank debt. Okay. And so build, why, why, why ship the water? I use the local water. That's a good point. Know? Yeah. And you get all that diesel out of the beer. Oh, I like that, yeah. Although that'll get you high, too. I mean, I don't know if you ever noticed. but uh, oh, I drink gas every now and then. It's cool. <laughs> it's cool. It's the new thing. It's all right. It's the hipster thing. Well, we're in Concord. <laughs> so check out White Lab's uh, new facility opening in Asheville, North Carolina. What do we got in the beer news, Moscow? A couple of uh, name change uh, stories. Uh, not, not as it pertains to lawsuits this week, uh, as it pertains to offended people. Uh, the first one was New England Brewing Company. They're in Woodbridge, Connecticut. Uh, they have issued an apology to Indians who were offended that the company is using Gandhi's name and likeness on one of its beers. Uh, their double IPA, Gandhi Bot, it's called. The label features a cartoon image depicting a robot version of the late Indian leader. Uh, here's the Facebook post from New England's page. We apologize to any Indian people that find our Gandhi Bot label offensive. Our intent is not to offend anyone, but rather pay homage and celebrate a man who we respect greatly. <laughs> New England's website promotes the Gandhi Bot beer, which has been distributed for about five years, just now getting flack for it, uh, five years as a, quote, fully vegetarian uh, and a, an ideal aid for self-purification <laughs> and the seeking of love and truth. Oh, good Lord. Now, here's it gets crazier. Newspapers in India. Do you think Gandhi really would have been offended, by the way? Gandhi's not offended by anything. Well, well, do you think he runs it, in beer circles? Like, it, he he, he yeah. wouldn't even fucking known about it. It took five years for someone to get offended? <laughs> yes, it, a long time. But it, I think there should be a statute of limitations on being offended. <laughs> yeah. And fucking five years is it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. You, you know, piss well, me off as Madame Curie. Like, that chick yeah. fucking yeah. sucks. Yeah, yeah. 
uh, Gandhi was a, a pro. He was in favor of prohibition, so he didn't like alcohol. Yeah. So well, maybe he would have, but he he didn't seem like an offendable person. So maybe he just would have been like, well, it's not my cup of tea, but you know, do what you will. Well, he basically just did the person just did what Gandhi did. Like, do I just, oh, I don't like alcohol, so no one should have it. I have to admit, when you said Indians uh, in the beginning, especially because it's Connecticut, I thought you meant Native Americans. Choctaw, Cherokee. Oh, yeah, because Connecticut, it's like there's places, Mesquamacit, there's all these, yeah. like, there's even a great uh, Indian reservation casino there, I think the biggest on earth uh, in Connecticut. Uh, so I instantly thought, oh, what are the Native Americans pissed about beer for? Oh, are you yeah. talking about Foxwoods? Uh, yeah, Foxwoods. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, well, actually, there is an Indian, Native American Indian uh, story next. That's the other uh, offended Great. people. But uh, this one, in the meantime, newspapers in uh, India reported that an Indian attorney has brought a case against New England in uh, Hyderabad. Uh, so they're basically suing them in India, which doesn't really mean anything. I guess it's just kind of symbolic. But yeah. he's saying the use of Gandhi's image violates Indian law as an insult to the nation's honor. I see. This is a place where it's law. You can't insult people by, by law, you know, <laughs> which is a really great policy. Utopia. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Uh, so now the, another Facebook post from, uh, from New England. Uh, so many Indian people here in America love our tribute to him. Gandhi's granddaughter and grandson, in fact, have seen the label and have expressed their admiration of it. Uh, we hope that you understand our true intent and learn to respect our method and the freedom we have uh, to show our reverence for Gandhi. Oh, they pulled the freedom card. They did. They're like, you yeah. in India don't know what freedom is. <laughs> yeah. We're gonna, we are free to use Gandhi. <laughs> Meanwhile, when they have a problem on their Wells Fargo app, who are they going to call? <laughs> yeah. Nobody. That's right. right? Oh, we cannot help you. Yeah, sorry. Oh, you're calling from what brewery? <laughs> <laughs> we won't be helping you okay, today. Hold on, please. <laughs> so, Tony. So, had, they're not changing the label, right? Uh, not as of yet. There's no official announcement that they're going to change it. But the, America. The, the sort of. Bated well, breath. that actually, the norm has been to kowtow. To change the yeah. labels, as you'll see in this next story. And I was actually surprised to learn that this story, no, not yet at least, they're not changing it. They you printed can. like over a million of those dumb Gandhi robot labels. They're going to change them now. <laughs> well, also, it's in India. It doesn't really matter. If it was in like, you know, someone in Arizona, I'm sure it would have been changed right now. That's true. Uh, yeah. Tony, have you ever gotten that from like some group wrote you a letter threatening like you're offending something, you should change a label? Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Our, our, the original Amber label had a Miwok Indian image on it. Oh. All right. <clears throat> and the, did the tribe like send a letter a letter on letterhead? or a- Actually, there's a bunch of retailers in San Francisco in, in sympathy. They just said, we're not going to really? be carrying this. Be- oh. And I'm not sure if it was the Indian depiction or if it was a little slogan underneath that said, and how. But so, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. But one of them wasn't going to fly. I know. <laughs> and that's Lagunita Samber, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah. This is the last time you had one of those. Uh, <laughs> I remember that. Well, I know, everybody. Out of, my, out of my curiosity, so say that did happen. Uh, would your instinct be to apologize and change the label? Or would your instinct be like, look, we're doing what we're doing, and sorry it's offending you, but we're, we're not changing anything? My so, instinct would be the latter, yeah. but I would do the former. You would? Yeah. Why? Just because, uh, we, you know, we're not an island. We're trying to make friends. I mean, I always sure. keep that in mind. It's like, I want to have some opinions, I'm, but I'm not the last word on my own opinions. I'm, they should they should be subject to evolution, right, and, and enlightenment. And like, yeah, maybe that is sort of offensive, I guess. But, right. So, you know, I mean, you know, back in Chicago, we tell Polak jokes. Nobody thinks twice about it. The Polaks, you know, Polish people tell Polak <laughs> But, you know, it's like in California, it's not fine. It's not acceptable, <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, so, you know, it's like. Maybe it actually isn't acceptable. You know? My yeah. gardener all, is a know? Polak. Please, I'm offended. <laughs> I, I want to. I'm actually of Polish descent. My last name's Moskowitz, and I'm not offended. I find them funny. Yeah. So why is that? 
Uh, well, you're, you're, not, you're Polish. You can't Maybe just take like why. one. But the average Californian, it's you, and then yeah. call it like that's the rule, right? Yeah. I, just, I think I'm representative of the majority. <laughs> I, I really do. Across I don't the country the, or in California? Uh, across the country. Oh, I don't right. think of offended people are the, I think they're the significant minority. They're just loud. Well, that may be so, but then the loud ones, I think even that would, would make the same argument uh, for Tony's, that the loud ones are the ones that cause trouble for the brewery and everything else. And if you're trying to make friends, it doesn't help any. By the way, I don't know if you saw the press release, Lagunitas' new beer is called uh, Polak Redskin. And, uh, I'm offended. It'll, I, mean, it'll, I mean, no, it doesn't bother me It'll be all. out next month. Yeah, they're uh, just going to be a magnet for that kind of stuff. <laughs> yeah. Well, here's another one about Native American Indians. This is Half Acre Brewing in Chicago. We had uh, Gabriel Magliaro on the show. Uh, he's the, the founder. They have a beer called uh, Hayoka IPA. What and, brewery? Sorry. Uh, Half, Half Acre, Acre in oh, Chicago. Acre. Oh, yeah. Okay. Um, <laughs> uh, they received complaints from members of the Lakota tribe. Um, so the, Gabe, the founder, he said they're changing the name, and they were motivated by the outreach of, quote, dozens of members of the Lakota community who found Five. the word offensive. Yeah. <laughs> a, a generous baker's dozen. Um, he said, I'm not sure uh, who exactly got word of it in the community, but it was a pretty effective initial onslaught of reaching out to us in a lot of different ways. We were able uh, to have a lot of very positive conversations, and it was actually just as much positive feedback as there was initial concern or negative comment. Kind of a convoluted quote, but he, he basically said he was originally drawn to the word out of fascination with the contrarian aspect of the spirit it represents. It basically means contrarian, jester, satirist in yeah. the Lakota language. Sure. You know, it is interesting that, um, you know, the uh, the Hebdo, Heb- Charlie Hebdo. We're all quick to say, like, oh, we're not, you know, lighten up, Muslims. It was It was satire. However... The you know when we do satire against well, groups that are uh, uncomfortable here in the United States, well then that's not okay. We're, we're not. In other words, we're allowed to do it to the Muslims, but um, you know, see what I'm getting out here. Like no, no. <laughs> it reminds trying, me though. though. I'll give you that. Remember, I'm it makes a difference if the group are terrorists, right? Yeah. They, well, you I guess you murder right. and retaliate. No, I'm, I'm not defending. I'm not defending murder. They wouldn't like our. Police. I'm not defending murder, but, but I'm saying the the defense of, of Hebdo is well, we it's satire. We can say anything we want because it's satire. Right. But we don't really mean that. We can't say anything we want. No, no we can, but it, it's yeah. just it's our choice if we want to continue saying it if someone is offended by it. Exactly, right. and, and we generally and, don't. And we generally stop. What you say. And sure. we generally stop because, saying because, it. like right. what Tony said, because, you, but then you, we go, it gives us a we chance to evolve stop. if we, we want stop. to evolve. Yeah, um, but you know, it's a. It, I don't say you should or you shouldn't. It, you make that choice in a free society. I go, hey, I'm offended by what you said. Will you say it again? And then you go, yes or no. You so then I can continue to be offended or or not, or you can kowtow to what I say, and then. And then we're both kind of like, okay, you're a little cheesed, I'm a little cheesed, and everything's fine. Sure. It just and then and then life goes on. That's that's the key to it. Is you can get offended, we don't agree. Okay, life goes on. Here's right. here's how I think it goes. You reach, you reach the fork and the road and the woods, and you choose the path of not being a dick. Like that's yeah, it. But it's your own, like, don't you're be a, a dick. Well, I agree don't with be that. A dick. You're a yeah. dick according to the minority. Who who calls? Who's deciding you're a dick? Well, all the Polox, sometimes, you apparently. sometimes you don't realize <laughs> you're being a dick until after you've been a dick, no, and we, then you I, have I, to I, say, next a, time I won't be a dick, sorry. It, is, is this a Weizen beer, though? Uh, or, or, yes. I, or, I take are, we, are we talking about sour? It's an IPA. That's it's, a good point, Tony. Yeah. As an American, I take offense of Sam Adams' depiction as a brewer, because he was actually <laughs> he was a monster. Yeah. Right, exactly. Um, exactly. So it's a misrepresentation of my heritage. I'm also offended by that. I was watching The Wire still a little bit ago. And in one of the episodes, uh, those cats were in a in a deli called Polak Joe's. 
And this is like in 2008. I'm like, that would never fly in the, on the West Coast at all. But, you on know, it's just cultural, man. Yeah, it doesn't matter. Who cares? If yeah. you're offended, sorry. If not, then that's fine. Yeah. Whatever. My Ooh, dad was an East Coast Polak, and we were allowed to tell all the Polak jokes he wanted. Sure. Right. You think right. I haven't heard a Greek joke every now and then? Which there aren't really many, so anyway. I don't really care. Well, the it's your fault, Tony. <laughs> There's the one. There's the one, yeah. But we can't talk about it. Uh, the beer will now be known as Sinita IPA. Sinita is a type of cactus found I'm in uh, Mexico and Arizona. Well, the well, National I Coalition, grew up in the desert. The National Coalition of Cactuses, or the NCC, they're reportedly offended. And so they flower. might have to... Change I don't it again understand what the offended were. Like they were. That's not a real thing, right? No. Okay. They I were. They were offended because they used just the word. That was it. The, the tribe. Yeah. 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 They, yeah. Correct. I didn't understand. That's that. a okay. word that our tribe speaks, and so you can't use it. Yeah. I, I guess. I, see, that's the thing. Is pe- some people tell are them just, not to use English when they're communicating. Then exactly. I'm offended. They're yeah. trained to take offense. Which, by they. the way, Nicole, I, I consider the, those people. Yeah. <laughs> I, the offended. I consider the people that take offense to be the assholes. They're the assholes. Yeah. Those are those people. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's, it's always those people. Yeah. Oh, There's always going to be sort those of frustrating. People. We should only have stories about craft beer. Drink <laughs> this is about craft beer. Because no, we all get along. Scott really? wedge his political agenda in every show. <laughs> I have the news segment. That's what I'm going to do. <laughs> Well done, you do sir. Well Twitter, played. You do your Twitter. You I do, do control the media. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Interestingly, this beer did earn Half Acre uh, its first medal back in 2013, a silver at uh, the JBF. So it was uh, uh, a very tasty beer. The beer won't change, just the name. Was the silver mm-hmm. mined from Native American land? <laughs> That's what I want to know. Oh He's got to give it back. <laughs> well, what about the damages that they lose in branding because they're changing the name and the JBF medal is not going to be associated with the new beer? You know, I guess Gabe oh, is... Gabe's overlooking that, I guess. Politics machine. What else you got? All right, so t- uh, to hell with the Keystone Pipeline, speaking of politics, there's now an underground beer pipeline set to be installed beneath Belgium's medieval city of Bruges. Oh, thank God. The idea behind it is to cut the number of trucks. By the way, it was the article said lorries, and I had to look up what the hell that meant. Trucks carrying beer through the city's oh, cobbled sure. streets. There are about 500 tankers, they think, will be taken off the roads each year by this pipeline. It'll be made of a high-quality plastic uh, oh, st- stronger even than a steel pipe, they claim. This is a quote from a brewery owner named Xavier out there. He said, it's really very strong, uh, so we are quite confident that no leaks or illegal tapping points will be there. Wow. No. So <laughs> we've considered that. Yeah, really? No, no, illegal no drill can penetrate this plastic. Can you imagine that's, uh, that's a thought that goes through your head Yeah. with this? Like, oh, there's going to... What about illegal tapping Illegal tapping. <laughs> that's Tony, when you know you're living in the new w- uh, Wild West. That's right. When anybody can just tap into your pipeline. Tony, I encourage you to take a, 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 a key from the Belgians and maybe Elon Musk and put in a beer pipeline. A high-speed one. All the way to Concord. Yes. Yeah, of please. That would be, yeah. be perfect. This pipe's going to link the uh, De Halvman Brewery to a bottling plant a little under two miles away, and it'll be capable of carrying about 1,500 gallons of beer an hour. It's going to wow. take about 10 to 15 minutes for the liquid to reach its destination. And uh, the decision enables... Uh, where did I go? The decision enables brewing of beer uh, on the same uh, Bruges city center site where it has continued for about 500 years. It's a, a long tradition of brewing in this city. Uh, they don't know what the cost is, but it's going to begin this year. Okay. And <laughs> you don't know what, what the cost is? Yes. Yeah. But they're going to do it anyway. We're going to yeah. start digging, and we'll see how much it costs. Uh, yeah. <laughs> at least this article. Jerry Brown approach. Hey, guy with shovel, where are we at? <laughs> 80 bucks. Yeah. What am I getting an hour? <laughs> uh, keep going. Yeah. Keep, keep going. going. We're good. We're yeah. still good. It's got to be public money. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, we're under budget. Great. Yeah. Yeah. Let me just give you my opinion on public money. <laughs> right. uh, all right. The last I was trying one to set here. you up there. Thank you. I'll knock him down. The last story, a bit of breaking news that was emailed to me just now by a listener named James from The Guardian. Uh, the headline is, Mozambique links contaminated beer deaths to crocodile
crocodile bile. At least 69 people were killed and 196 others admitted to the hospital after drinking beer palm at a funeral. Health authorities in Mozambique believe the contaminated beer uh, was uh, poisoned with crocodile bile. The government has declared three days of mourning after the deaths. Wow. Well, so on. But it tasted good. <laughs> right. They yeah. loved their final drink. Which is really what matters, isn't yeah. it? Well, that's the news brought to you by our friends at White Labs, who are the best thing what there ever were in yeast. WhiteLabs.com. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone sound good today. Right. Yeah. Everyone sound good. Ish. Very I thought good. good. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, this has been fun. We're going to take a very quick break when we come. Oh, I got a phone call. For Tony, even. You want to take a call, Tony? Sure. Mark from Wisconsin has got a question for you about the new brewery. Yes, sir. Mark, what's happening? Hey, how you doing today, Justin? We're doing very well. What do you got for Tony? Well, Happy New Year to all the bluecasters. Thanks, buddy. Thank you. Um, so, Tony, uh, you know, if there's one thing that I've learned from the show, it's uh, brewing environment really, really de- depends. You know, your beer is going to change no matter where you're brewing. Um, so, are there any beers that you specifically just brew in, in Chicago and, and not in California, or, or vice versa? Um, no, at this point, we're brewing all the beers in exactly the the same recipes in the same two buildings, you know. But, uh, <clears throat> but I really think that the beers actually taste more similar than you might think, except that this is the weird thing, is that uh, the beer in Chicago and the Midwest in general now tastes the way it does in San Francisco. And it never tasted like that before. It always tasted like uh, a 2,500-mile version of it. <laughs> so, ah, so you yeah, might notice the difference yeah, yeah, in the flavor, but the, the truth is that we took the miles out of it. Yep. yep. It's kind of what Truman's doing with, uh, you know, when they opened the, the brewery in Berkeley. Right. I mean, it's, it's but, um, yep. And then I have one more question. Sure. Uh, so... You know, we're in the chat room here, and uh, everybody's arguing. We think, uh, you know, you're going to be the guy to answer this question. So is a Reuben, a Reuben sandwich, is it made with corned beef or pastrami? Oh, please. You know, I had a Reuben sandwich here tonight, and actually it was made it was made with uh, corned beef. Yeah. But it's very atypical. It's made with pastrami. It should be pastrami. Everybody knows that. <laughs> There you go, Mark. That's right. Oh, there you go, chat room. Uh, this, this is Thud, Thud Monkey in the chat, by the way. Thanks for the call, brother. All right. Take care. Thanks, guys. Cheers. Take and care. just so you know, Mark, we call it a Reuben-esque. You know, it's just, it's like a Reuben. Oh, Ours is a but little not. Reuben-y. Right. Yeah. That was another name we threw around, mm. a little Reuben-y, but it didn't, yeah. Well, no. did, what's wrong with making it an Irish name, like a fucking corned beef sandwich? I don't want to offend the Irish. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. We're being careful, Tasty. All right. All right, we're going to take a very quick break this time. When we come back, we'll wrap up our Twitter game. We'll say uh, goodbye to Tony, and uh, maybe we'll have another beer. Hang in there. It's the session.
best thing to happen to brewer's yeast in a century is from White Labs. For pro brewers and home brewers, yeast in the new Pure Pitch Package powered by Flexel technology redefines how fresh your yeast can really be. That's because your yeast is cultured, grown, and delivered all in the same Pure Pitch Package. It's never been transferred and never been exposed to the environment. Pure Pitch is powered by White Labs' proprietary Flexel container, which took six years to develop and is designed to be the best home your yeast has ever traveled in. Just cut open a Pure Pitch package and pitch the purest yeast possible. Learn more about Pure Pitch, powered by FlexCell technology, at whitelabs.com. And while you're there, sign up for one of the many great classes White Labs offers, like Yeast Essentials 2.0, coming up August 22nd and 23rd, or any one of their great workshops for brewers, distillers, and vendors. Pure Pitch from White Labs. Six years to develop, refine, and perfect. Two seconds to open. What'd you get? More brewing ingredients? Yep. You know what I love about Brewmaster's Warehouse? The $6.99 shipping. Well, yeah, but... Oh, the in-store classes for beginning brewers. Yeah, that's cool, but... Oh, oh, the brew builder. Creating and saving your recipes online is awesome. No, I'm... Yes, but... The cheese-making supplies. No. Oh, the wine-making supplies. Oh, the distilling equipment and liquor flavorings. All that stuff is awesome, yes, but what I really love is that the guy who runs it is totally hot. And, and that brew builder software is awesome. Oh, yeah. Brewmaster's Warehouse brings you flat rate shipping on great equipment and ingredients to make beer, wine, cheese, and spirits at brewmasterswarehouse.com. And if you're in Georgia, stop by Brewmaster's Warehouse Monday through Saturday from 10 to 6. Visit brewmasterswarehouse.com today because it's totally hot. Oh, yeah. Hey, dude, you know what beer this is? Oh, uh, no, all the labels are falling off. Yeah, or the ink is run. Well, if it's the pale ale, you're good, but stay away from the quote-unquote Belgian. Oh, man, this guy needs to get some grog tags. Grog tags are reusable, write-on, wipe-off, commercial-grade bottle labels for your brew. The guys at Grog Tag are homebrewers. They wanted great-looking, sturdy labels for your bottles, buckets, carboys, kegs, and growlers. They also wanted a label that not only looks good, but can be easily removed and reapplied during bottling without that nasty glue residue being left behind. No residue, water-resistant, and ice chest approved. Grog Tags stay on in water or an ice chest, and they stay legible. Visit grogtag.com to Customize your label or coaster from dozens of different templates for free and see how awesome your bottles can look. Ugh, it's that pseudo-Belgian. Yeah, we're getting him some grog tags, dude. Grog tag. At least your beer will look good. Grogtag.com. Hey, Wooly, I'm beat. Can we find a nice tree to just hang out in for a while? You're beat? I've been swinging through this forest for 50 years, ever since we... Ever since we first escaped from the circus. I know, I know, but there's got to be more to life than exploring this creek and trying to populate the valley by copulating with loose, hairy girls. Mark, we stop. Look! What is that? It looks like a man-made treehouse. With fresh food. And craft beer. Welcome to the Creek Monkey Tap House, boys. Grab a seat. Creek Monkeys drink free. <laughs> awesome! The Creek Monkey Tap House in Martinez, California, takes their mission of fresh food and beer seriously. They only serve locally raised beef and chicken, as well as local sustainable produce. It's better for you and the planet, and it just tastes better. The beer and wine at Creek Monkey Tap House are chosen with the same care for the highest quality and rotate frequently to make each visit an adventure. Yeah. 
Swing on in to the Creek Monkey Tap House and enjoy a new legend of amazing food, beer, and wine. The Creek Monkey Tap House, online at creekmonkey.com. That's it. I've had it. I am never putting hops in my beer again. What? Why? It's just too ridiculous. Insane prices, stupid contracts, high shipping costs, crappy selection. Dude, you need Nico Brew. Nico Brew will rock your f***ing face right the f*** off your f***ing skull. $5 shipping to all 50 states, plus fantastic international rates get you low prices on Nico Brew's great selection of hops and more. Whether you're a home brewer, a pro brewer, or a homebrew shop owner, Nico Brew can get you the hops you need in increments big and small, single orders, spot buys, or full contracts. And there's only one place to join the uber special secret elite bare bones club where you'll get the best deals anywhere. Holy shit. NicoBrew.com. N-I-K-O-B-R-E-W. Nico Brew, your bare bones buddy in the brewing business. Segmented, demented, fermented, fermented. It's the session. Yeah. Maybe. You All right. Know. We are wrapping things up here on the session at the Hop Grenade. Uh, Tony McGee has been with us all night. I appreciate all your time. Uh, the book is So You Want to Start a Brewery, The Lagunitas Story. And, and, Tony, thanks for coming in. Yeah, well, thanks for asking me about it all. I appreciate it. It's well, cool being here. You'll have to come back. Uh, maybe we'll get you and Jeremy in here at the same time, if you're not the same person, that is. <laughs> with a wig, mm, I could see it. I have never seen the two in the same room. Good luck getting any time on the mic. <laughs> yeah, that's true that uh, we'll leave Warren at home so that way yeah, yeah. shut up Warren yeah God I have a, a question about the probability shut up the, beardy but when you get the oils in the boil kettle do you boil them shut out shut up I'm just trying I'm asking I'm just asking yeah Warren I think you're delightful thank, thank you you Thanks, would Bevo. Bevo. Oh, shut up I'm still trailing whatever okay. <laughs> alright how do you guys now really feel oh. <laughs> God damn it, Beardy. <laughs> All right, get the book now on Amazon uh, or at the brewery. So you want to start a brewery, the Lagunitas story. Your local bookstore. Uh, yeah. yeah. Your local, uh, is there a, is, uh, do those exist? We have one. We do? Half price books. Oh, yeah, it's right here in Toto Santos Plaza. <laughs> yeah. Really, you paint yourself into a corner when you put half price right in your title. <laughs> How are you going to make any money? Yeah, really shitty books. Yeah. I love that place. <laughs> but they're still in business, and Barnes & Noble is out. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's true. That's true. All right, you can find Tony probably at the brewery every now and then. In Chicago, though, that's where you're spending most of your time now. Yep, yep. Kind of split in between California, but a lot of Chicago. How about Jeremy? Is he still flying back and forth all the time, too? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. he's heading there this uh, this week. He's in Chicago uh, do, uh, entering certain uh, new recipes okay. for uh, going into 2015. Secrets. So. It's yep. probably not good for his hair, all that climate change going from the... <laughs> yeah, that's why the leave-in treatment. It's real dry out there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, he probably puts it in like some sort of bag, like a hair cap or something. Yeah, right. It's a flight bag. Yeah, for sure. For the altitude and the weather change. You don't understand. He's got a secret stash of Aquanet just you to keep it all the, lube. The jojoba right. oil. <laughs> yeah, I would love. That's what we're going to interview Jeremy about next time he comes on the hair show. Care. His hair care. routine. So, yeah, we won't talk about beer at all. We'll just... So the Lake Michigan water. No, we're not talking about brewing. <laughs> How is that on your hair? Yeah. So I, I don't RO at the brewery, but at home the shower. <laughs> you have to. Yeah. All right. That's our homage to Jeremy right there. Yeah. 
<laughs> All right. What was our Twitter game today, JP? Our Twitter game was uh, 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 Wi-Fi. is going to be gone in 10 years, everybody. I yeah. hate to break it to you. Um, so yeah, right. You didn't know that? This is JP's premise. Yeah. So I had to set it up for you. <laughs> See, the problem is I couldn't connect to Wi-Fi, and I hate it. So it's going to be gone in 10 years. Okay. Because uh, everything I think is something about take works its out. Place? Well, that's you're about to figure it out. I we do what's going to take its place. We deal with real-world problems here on the Twitter game. Uh, yeah. Yeah. All of my dreams come true. So Wi-Fi will be gone. So yeah. what were the answers from the Twitter sphere? Not as many as you'd think. Okay. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Scammons1 <laughs> wrote, uh, we're going to get our information from highly trained koalas that will deliver uh, everyone a parcel each day. I like that. That's pretty cute, right? Sure. It'd be adorable. Parcel? You can hug them. Yeah, well, you know, there's a lot of koalas. Uh, the Robopope. Says, uh, as post-humans, will we use our neuro-nano-augmented fingertips to communicate purely through feeling each other's hair? Oh, good. Jeremy good, will be right, uh, be right there. I like that. And I think to branch off of that, everyone with really nice hair will be the hub of information. Oh, the right? more you yeah. got, the yeah. better. So They'll like, have the best thing. I would have to talk to Nate. Because no uh, one's going to run their fingers nice through my yeah, hair, yeah. especially in ten years. Yeah. Does facial hair count? Like, would you also talk to Beardy? Or I uh, would try not to, but <laughs> but he would be a hub of information. Well, I think he would be like uh, like misinformation. Yeah, the, the <laughs> would be like the uh, it's like dirty. That's like the dirty stuff. That's like the like, the, like secret the porn internet. Like the, oh, he's the he's the porn of the information highway. Yeah. Yeah. You know, like so the most like, visited right. of all. Really. Yeah, well, that's why but just nobody talks about it. it. Everybody wants a mustache, so, right? He's like he's like the guy who inserts himself in a in a in a conversation where he comes up. What are you guys talking about? He'll come up and just lay his beard on your head, and I'm like, oh, now I don't now I don't want to have this conversation. Okay. Thank you very much. So then people with chemo, what, they don't get to... No. They're out. They're out. They're out. They're out. They're out. They're out. They're another, another they have no voice. Uh, well, they'll be like deaf people. They'll have yeah. a wig on, but you can't hear. They're going to um, be gone soon. What do they need to know? <laughs> oh, Jesus. <laughs> Too soon, wait, Beardy. Wait, wait, wait. JP, JP, JP just had chemo last year. Right. JP, I have one. Uh, I have one. That's not going to work. Brew tooth. You get it, everybody? <laughs> You would turn my microphone off if I said that. Nicole is the only person affiliated with the BN who still uses beer puns. (laughs) She does it on her Facebook. Uh, Yay! (laughs) Go ahead, please, Uh, Jason. Tiff just writes holograms. Okay. I would support that. Andy Kwiatkowski says a hologram of Doc drunkenly reading the news. Or a nanobot of Moscow that whispers erotically in your ear. Wow. That's that supposed oh. to be? That'd be pretty good. It's I don't like either. <laughs> uh, Philip Schwartz says, Sugar Valley songs will tell us all we need to know. True. Uh, Sugar Valley's the great communicator, apparently. Uh, Al says, Snapple caps. Oh. Because, you know, you ever read a cap of a Snapple? It, they have it, a story, sure. Yeah, there you go. Okay, thanks. That's, that thanks takes for, the place of Wi-Fi? Thanks for, <laughs> thanks for playing along, everybody. That, that kid really is high. It. If it's not on the cap, it's not worth knowing. Uh, and last but not least, Mike Fitzpatrick says, Vladimir Putin's nightly, nightly announcements to the people. I vote for the hair one. Great, I, I love it. I feel it. like that was a good one, and yeah. Nicole liked it quite a bit, so uh, <laughs> the hair one. All right. Yay, the there hair one. Yeah, I left that. I promised our feedback uh, person a Sugar Valley Brewer song. You did. So. <laughs> so there's that. There you go. A pretty and a sweet one. This one's about Bevo. We all love the Bevo. Highlight of the session show. 
It's a nice song. The waka 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 on a bad behind. Oh. She provokes me to do Still it. Still nice. And it suits me just fine. Still a nice song. Waka waka waka. Oh, I'm not going to hurt her. Waka waka waka. <laughs> well, we're going to just kill it. Yeah. <laughs> Now that we're live at the Hofkernig, <laughs> oh, the listeners worried that is about this. Absolutely, <clears throat> turn off sexual those speakers. Harassment. Oh, well, I'm not gonna hurt her. <laughs> not gonna hurt her. <laughs> what was you gonna say next? Uh, Does it say anything, Beav, on that the employee notice behind you about uh, this sort of stuff? No, I'm not <laughs> No, it's just my minimum wage. Oh, okay. Good. We're gonna play this at BNA ten. I think we should. Performance. No, you are not. Just old Sugar Valley Brewer. It will have sugar. It will have sugar flown in. Put that in the budget. I'll bring my acoustic. Oh, should we have them open for us? Tasty, that's a good idea. Yeah, put that in the budget. And Bevo has to sit in a in a chair on stage with a spotlight on her. Budget. Put a line item in your budget for a psych evaluation first. <laughs> that might no, be good. We for uh, security. I want to shoot a, a video to, make, to yeah. line up with it. It'd Not first, afterwards. I like this idea. All right, that's our show for today. Thanks to Tony McGee coming in from Lagunitas Brewing Company and uh, for writing such a great book. So you want to start a brewery, go check it out. Uh, I do, if you're going to, actually, if you're an entrepreneur of any kind, it doesn't even have to be a brewery, read the book. Uh, he'll give you some good insights in how to evade the IRS for uh, five notices <laughs> and uh, a lot of other very honest things about what it takes to run a successful company. So thanks for writing it, and thanks for being here, Tony. Cheers to you guys. Yeah. <laughs> Hope to see you again soon. Thanks, and uh, we'll be back next week. We've got Melovino Meadery on the program uh, next week, as well as uh, GTM. The B- BNAs, yeah, right? BNAs. And this is going to be a whole new take on mead. We've done some lackluster meaty things in uh, recent months, and uh, this is going to be, he's going to blow your mind, Sergio, the way he's going to talk about mead. So we'll do that, and we'll do the BNAs. He has a nice name, so Sergio. Mm, it's too Italian for my taste, but all that's all right. That's fine. You're Greek. Yep. Uh, so we'll have Melovino on, plus the Brewing Network Awards. Uh, there will be no Drunk of the Week, uh, Drunk of the Year. Yeah. But we do have uh, several other great awards, including Beer of the Year. Who will it be? Who knows? Oh, yeah. I can tell you. It's good. Can we still say the song? Tonight? Or next week? During next the- week. <laughs> yes. Okay. <laughs> I, just, I only like to come if we can sing a song. <laughs> And All right. One, and two, All right. And one, two, three. Tony, will you come back with your guitar next week so that Nicole can sing a song? <laughs> I do Stevie Nicks. All right. And Eddie Vedder. <laughs> but, but, but combined. It's Stevie like, a, it's like yeah, a Stevie yeah. Vedder song. It's like one of those mashups from 2003. One of those. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's really good. <laughs> All right, JP, get us out of here, will you? Thanks, everybody. We'll see you later. Bye. Thank you to our show sponsor, More Beer. You can get absolutely everything you need to make great beer at home by going to morebeer.com. The great Tony McGee from Lagunitas Brewing Company came out to the studio and mumbled while his beer spoke to us. Follow JP on Twitter at Major Jip and talk about beer and video game and Disneyland and cats and anger and failure and boredom. Warren was here looking a bit like a reverse Nate Smith. For some good beer inside and homebrew info, follow Nate Smith, Nathan Homebrew, and Mike McDowell at Tasty McDee. Production director on this session has been Pushy Jack. Today's show has been produced by Scott Moskowitz. JP was eating a pizza sandwich. Viva was eating in front of everyone, as usual. And your host was Justin Crossley. Be sure to Sky and winning
the race, J.P. does great as his charity.